flow with the show. Hey, hey, welcome to flow with the show. Hey, hope you're doing okay. I'm Toronto electronic music vo- vocalist, vocalist, Flo Anastasia, and this is episode number 10. Holy moly, we made it. <laughs> and uh, as a special location celebration, we've got a special location again today. If you guys are watching the video, you'll notice we are in the most beautiful podcast studio space. Thank you to our guest, who is none other than Marco Fergiuelli, a human being of many talents. I'll try to list a few, but how can words encompass such a special consciousness here? Um, <laughs> Marco is a freelance sound recordist who's done all types of media productions uh, from working on the sets of movies, shows, commercials, tons more. Um, he does sound recording, editing, mixing, and I think... While we've only met once before, Marco, I was extra drawn to you just by your positive energy Mm. and thoughtfulness Mm. and that sort of thing. So thank you so much for having us here, for being on the show. Thank you guys for coming. Mm -hmm. It's so exciting. It is very exciting. exciting. It is very exciting. And to help out today as well, I've got my podcast partner, Tier Kahoot, Toronto music producer, vocal engineer on all my songs, tech supervisor on this podcast. He's the one usually behind the scenes processing all the audio, correcting all the colors, uh, and uh, had to get him uh, in front of the scenes. Is that how you say behind behind the scenes on front of the scenes? (laughs) Who knows? Um, on the show today because I actually know Marco through Tier. Tier, you've done some work with Marco in the past on set, and so uh, you know had to do the little bit of a, the, the connection had here. To do the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are also accidentally wearing the exact same shirt. This was not planned. <laughs> Tier came from work. I've got my River Flows shirt. He's got his. Marco is also wearing black. So <laughs> yeah, we're river flowing here, man. <laughs> we're river flowing with the show, Marco. Thank yes. you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I I hope you're doing okay. Um, There's definitely a lot we can dig into. I think, um, you know, beyond kind of getting into your upbringing and your background and journey with sound recording and kind of, you know, you've got this amazingly successful career now in that sound recording field. Um, You also have a lot of really uh, interesting interests outside Mm -hmm. of that and um, definitely want to dig into that. And I thought maybe a good place to start would be I guess more recent in the time continuum, (laughs) which is, uh, I guess you would have recently just gotten back from a long trip in the Cayman Islands on the set of a movie. Yes. Um, I know maybe you can't talk too much about that, but I'd love to hear about your experience, maybe what you've learned, what you did over there. (laughs) Sure. Um, Yeah, I'd be happy to share. Um, it, It actually... It was an interesting start to the year because um, at the very beginning of the year, I was going through a, I'd say a bit, a, a bit of a difficult time. Work was really slow. Um, I got a little bit sick around Christmas time, mm-hmm. and and um, my my vibe was was kind of low. I didn't know if if uh, it was like two months of work, um, like of no work basically. Like it dried up in November, all the way through Christmas time, and then coming to January, I was like, what am I gonna? It's always slow in January. That's the time of year that okay. there's there's not much work anyway, so it wasn't anything new. Um, but this time in particular, because there was 
two months prior, there was nothing happening. I was like, oh, this is uh, kind of getting a little bit nervous here. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. So um, this was in January. So, you know, the travel restrictions wouldn't, weren't quite put in place yet. Um, and I just thought, well, I think I'm going to go uh, visit a friend out in BC and, and just go to Whistler and take my mind off things a little bit. Um, so that's how the, the year started. I was in Toronto for a week, took off to Whistler, uh, went snowboarding. It was nice. an amazing time. <laughs> And then uh, while I was out there, uh, I had a buddy of mine who, who runs these res- retreats in Costa Rica um, and he called me up and he's like, hey, uh, I see, you know, your industry shut down. Um, if you want to come down and stay at, at my retreat for free, all you got to do is just pitch a tent and pay for food. Like you're, you're more than welcome to come down. So that was my, uh, that was my plan. I was going to go from BC uh, on top of mountains flying straight down to the ocean um, and then staying there indefinitely because I didn't know when work was going to pick up and, and if I was going to miss a job or two, it was going to be fine. But my, my plan was to stay there all of February um, and just kind of coast into March if I had to and just be, you know, this retreat center was on top of a mountain in the middle of Costa Rica in the, in the jungle next to a river. And um, so I go down there, I'm, I'm there for like maybe two or three days and I get this call at like 10 o'clock at night and uh and it's from these two producers who I've worked with for a few years now and they're uh immediately like I can tell on their voice that something was up and and they just said uh like how's it going you know and they're like what's that noise in the background (laughs) I'm like I didn't tell them I was in Costa Rica um I, I just said you know I'm I'm I don't know where I, where I said I was. I was just kind of like in a place where there's uh yeah, there's just crickets in the background. I'm just outside. Right. And then they said, uh, we have this job that has just come up. Um, it's seven months. It's in the Cayman islands. Uh, you have to let us know your answer by tomorrow. <laughs> like, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> right. And, and I'm there thinking, okay, uh, well, I, first of all, like, I don't even know what was going through my mind in that moment. I, I said to them, I needed, I needed one night to decide this. Um, and I remember sitting after, after the phone call, I went up on this like perched, uh, it was kind of like a watchtower. It was overlooking the entire jungle and I got into a meditation and I was just like really feeling into this. And, um, I got this rush of energy and like this, this excitement that I, I hadn't really felt in a really, really long time. Like just this burst of like, tears and joy and like I'm like this is definitely something that that I need to do um mm. I, I would never really say yes to a seven-month job I think that's like to take myself away from what I'm doing in the city um is a little bit too long for me sometimes because I like to keep my you know um say keep saying yes to gigs and keeping right. myself kind of planted here but I mean I didn't know what was going to happen in 2021 right. where it could have been dry for for even longer like what other what better choice did I have than to go do this. So, um, I thought about it that night and I asked all my friends at the retreat and they're just like, you should totally go. You should just do this. And I, that was a really great sleep. And the next morning they call me back and they're like, Oh, you should, uh, you know, do you have an answer for us yet? And I still had to like, I had to take a cab at like six 30 in the morning to even make it back to San Jose to take a COVID test, to get a negative result, right. to like make it back because we were leaving in less than two weeks to the Cayman Islands. So there wasn't even much time, um, to quarantine when I got back, right. it was like right on that edge, you know? Um, 
So I, I rushed out of Costa Rica. I got my negative test and I, and I got back to Canada. I said yes before I got on the flight. Um, and then it was just basically two weeks of, of being uh, alone in the space here, quarantining and ordering an, an insane amount of stuff from Amazon uh, being delivered to my door. That's when I realized how, how valuable um, having something like Amazon right. actually is because like, mm-hmm. there was so much prep work I had to do because even, you know, leaving the studio for six months, um, there's constant voiceover sessions here. So I had to write a whole like manual for the space for my engineer in case like he had to troubleshoot when I wasn't here. Um, a whole like, you know, installing security cameras right. and, and like really trying to get all my bases covered to leave for six months. Cause I've never done that before. Um, and then also, you know, revamping my entire audio kit because some of these f- scenes had like nine characters in it and my, my recorder didn't have that channel count. So I needed to, to buy a brand new recorder, rebuild my entire sound system mm. or, or recording um, setup from the ground up, um, all while not being able to leave my house at all. And, and my sister helped me out a lot. She would go to the, the audio shop and, and bring me back. Like, she's like, what are you like? what's in these boxes? Like you have a ton of stuff in here, you know? Um, so I got all that set up and that was exciting because it was a really great excuse to, to buy a brand new recording device that I've been drooling over for quite a few years now. So that was, that was really cool. And then, um, you know, also just the excitement of, of really not knowing what to expect Hmm. in these six months, like truly just going in completely, you know, like with a blindfold on and just not knowing who I'm going to meet, what, what experiences I'm going to have, what these, uh, what these movies were going to be. Um, because they, they told me over the phone that they were pretty high profile people in these movies, but like, I didn't know until, until I got there. And then no one really knew, like we, we only found out, um, and I can say this, that, that Nicolas Cage was in the third movie, like a couple of weeks before we even were set, was set to roll. Like they were still, um, bringing actors on as we kind of went wow. along. So like no mm. one really knew anything. So I... that's just the beginning of the experience. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even get into it yet, you know? No, unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> I have so many questions. I mean, firstly, I was definitely curious, like if you'd had a long stretch like that before and you'd, you'd answered that. So um, I think it's very brave that you would be willing to to do something like that. I think mm. especially in like, you know, I hate to bring up COVID, but especially within like COVID restrictions where you're right, like you have all these limitations and yeah. you're just going for it and doing everything you can to prepare, knowing that you really can't, there's things that you you won't be able to expect and that yep. sort of thing. Um, I'm also very curious about like, cause I, cause I don't really know much about the, the field of sound recording specifically for movies and things like that. So I think it's really fascinating that I guess you're, is it true that you're like expected to bring all of the gear or do they have some gear there and do you have um, help and that sort of thing? Generally, uh, sound recordists are hired, uh, based on the, on the gear that they own. So okay. almost every sound recordist, except for a, a, like a small handful of people that I know, um, all own their own gear. And that's actually one of the perks of, of being a recordist is that you get, um, you know, kit fee and it's pretty generous most of the time. So like it pays itself off pretty quickly. Kit um, fee is? Is just basically what you um, rent out your gear per day. Okay. Um, so, you Even know, though every, you're the one using it, you're still billing them. 
for the privilege of using your equipment oh, to facilitate yeah. their film. I guess instead of them like renting it from like a facility or. Yeah. And, and I mean, even if, you know, I've been offered um, to use other people's kits um, on, on shows or on small projects. And I, I always turn it down because I've, I've designed and tailored my kit mm-hmm. specific to my needs yeah, and my sense. style and like how I, you know, how I like to do things. So, you, you know, it's, it's just like if you were to show up to a concert venue and then uh, you're like, okay, they put you on a board and they're like, hey, go mix this band. I mean, yeah. I could, I could navigate around, uh, the setup, but it would take me a little bit of time to kind of figure out how that, um, that in-house technician has everything set up. So it's the same kind of thing. And, and like, I love modding stuff. I love making things my own. And that's kind of like, that's actually really why I, I keep doing this is really, it's more, more so about the gear. I love doing it too, but it's like, I'm just obsessed with, with audio gear, both in studio and out mm-hmm. in the field. So. I was going to ask you, what recorder did you get? I was curious uh, for this big shoot with like the nine inputs. Um, so it's a Sound Devices 888. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. And it was, it just came out. Um, there's a, there's a few ad, uh, like add-ons that they, they put into it. Um, one of the big ones being Dante. So location nice. recorders up until yeah. now, I've never had um, Dante capabilities and now they do. So um, there's a lot of wireless systems that, you know, send and receive audio with Dante through a single cat six cable, mm-hmm. which would have taken, you know, if you have like 16 channels of wireless, <laughs> you need like, like a box snake for that. Yeah, yeah. And now it's just one, one cat six cable. So I never, I never delved into, um, the, those abilities with, with my device, but to know it's there and it was a big deal to decide. I'm like, do I want the version beneath it? that doesn't have Dante, which is like five grand less, or do I just go up one size and, and kind of feature proof myself to see, you know, right. down the road. And I'm so happy I did because, mm-hmm. you know, these Cayman Island films are going to be ongoing. And, um, I already know that moving forward, I'm going to have to even revamp my kit again, because mm-hmm. like what I learned in those six months, um, I mean, I was capable and I, and I did the job well. Um, but there was a few instances where I'm like, I can definitely, I, I can see now where mm-hmm. I can still, there's still room for improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them being my actual sound card itself, because we were rolling through sand and and dirt and rocks, and it's just like you know I really pushed that thing to the limit, and I'm like I'm ready for the next step up, and I'm gonna yeah. buy it for next time. So this cool. is one, one yeah. of my questions for you. Oh, you said earlier that you know in those two weeks before you left for the trip, you had to sort of get a bunch of gear that you didn't have to prepare for some of the scenes. So yeah. does that mean that they, I guess, would they send you a script and then you just have to kind of guess what you need? And then, yeah, like what happens if like you arrive mm, question, yeah. so far yeah. from home and like you don't yeah. have your, what you need? That was the other thing, right? Like there weren't any, there's no audio shops in the Cayman Islands. And if, right. if there was like they, you know, might be like a little AV shop. Like I, I had to really plan ahead of time to make sure that like everything that I was bringing is everything I was going to possibly need. Um, and like, you know, they still weren't able to get me the gear in time for the, for when I got mm-hmm. there, I was in quarantine for two weeks and then I had another two weeks before we were set to start our first film and some of the gear arrived like a day before we were set to, <laughs> to shoot. And like, you know, it's not like I, I could have lived without it, but at the same time, I ordered it six weeks in advance and it was still, it's not like they had to order it from somewhere else. It was all in the shop. It was, it was just, you know, they, it just didn't come out fast enough, but um, you know, that, that wasn't even like for me personally, it was just a matter of uh, 
like I already had all my, my gear with me. This was just having a little bit extra to make my, my life a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, I use this as a huge opportunity to just basically buy everything I've ever thought I could need and, and want. Um, and one of them was like, you know, we use time code on set, right. And, and the last five years or so I've always, I, I've been happy with my sync boxes, but I'm like, I need something that's, that's cutting edge and modern and wireless and can kind of, uh, you know, uh, basically, um, yeah, wireless sync boxes, um, basically what sync boxes do is, is, uh, they use something called SMPTE time code to synchronize all the, the audio and video footage together mm -hmm. uh, by sending an audio signal that kind of sounds like a, kind of like a internet dial up modem. It has a really high pitched kind of, um, squeal almost. It's kind of, it's really <laughs> obnoxious to listen to, but that, a sound um, actually is what's used to, to synchronize all these audio and video devices together. And uh, basically the ones that I wanted were, uh, they're all wireless now. So you jam one of them and then you just press a button and then they, they all sync to each other and they, they're talking to each other throughout the day. So you don't have to like re-jam oh, them amazing. at lunch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because what would happen would be like, you know, we get back from lunch and I'm like, oh, I just had my coffee. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to jam the sync box again. You know what I mean? And yeah, like, I really, remember doing that. You'd yeah. have to go oh, up yeah, to you them. Came out with me yeah, that yeah, day. yeah. That's 100%. right, dude. Man, the fact that they can sync themselves. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> awesome. So little things like that, um, that I, I used the, like what I was making or what I knew I was going to make as a bit of a, yeah, an excuse to just buy all these little gadgets that I'm right. going to make my life so much easier while I was down there. Um, Tier actually taught me what time code was just recently, so I'm glad I know. And yeah. for our for our audience, I'll I'll give you the scoop as well because um, I guess this came up recently when you know we've been doing a lot of uh, video editing and podcasts and stuff, and um, what I have to do to sync all of the. I guess different camera angles or different pieces of audio is like just literally do it by hand and mm -hmm. try to sync stuff. And uh, there is an Ottawa line, but like there it's is now, a little resolve, sketchy because yeah. like yeah. it doesn't always catch. Because if there's a lot of background noise, yeah, that type of thing. Exactly. So, and even that, it's that's like, you know, three angles shorter pieces of footage maybe a couple audio and Tier was explaining to me because in the program it also says you know you can sync by time code I'm like what's time code and he was saying like how on, on movies and stuff like all the different cameras and so much footage and all the audio and stuff like you guys have that time code such that later when you're editing everything is actually synced to the exact yeah. location so amazing drag, drag all your video footage in and and it just all snaps together yeah, like that. Could you imagine lining up nine microphones and then however many yeah. other things for every scene and it's like hundreds of scenes and yeah. hundreds of lines of dialogue. Yeah. It's just like to a point, like you just needed to kind of know when you shot it. So it doesn't even matter when you hit record, you can kind of start them at different times. Yeah. And they're all, all right, like automatically folderized for you and stuff. It's it's amazing. So for for, for someone in his position, you got to, right? Like, because the, the editors just want to be able to know that they can drop it in when they're editing the film yeah. and be like, I don't have to worry about this because the dialogue is going to be exactly in sync with yeah. the camera. So that was very smart to get wireless stuff. Totally. And, and if I didn't have wireless, um, you know, if you don't rejam at lunch, then some sync boxes and some cameras just have a tendency to drift after 12 hours. So, mm. um, you know, you might get, uh, 
yeah, the audio and, and video just being like off by a few milliseconds over, over like a certain amount of time. So with them being wirelessly, they just constantly check in with each other and, and keep nudging themselves back into, oh. into alignment. Mm-hmm. So it's, it was pretty big deal. Smart. Yeah. And, and good thinking ahead because of your practical experience on set. Yeah. To have that revelation of like, no, this is actually smart. Oh, to totally. Get like you wouldn't have known that unless you had the practical experience, but also the foresight to think, okay, I can't buy anything right now. Yeah. So what is every even edge case that mm. I can run into? Oh, totally. And it turns out that was like, a not an edge case at all. Like that was such a huge thing. So. That, was, that was definitely a big one. Um, and then also like, you know, things that I was thinking ahead for were um, like basically buying brand new uh, like lapel microphones mm. um, because like the ones that I had, I've had for years. And, and like generally when I start a big feature, um, I want all my microphones sounding super crisp, you know, um, because they, they tend to, to kind of like degrade over time. Uh, so I've had some of these mics for a few years and, and uh, I'm like, no, I, I'm going to basically reset my entire, entire arsenal and having these mics sound the best they can possibly sound. Um, and then just buying things that, uh, you know, I bought this Countryman V6 and it's the smallest lav mic in the world. It's so tiny. I mean, you can hide it exposed in a button and like wow. you won't you won't see it. So just buying little toys like that, things that I didn't really think I I would need, but also like I, I might have to try in some situations and and uh you know, being down there and not not knowing how long things would take to ship. So getting as much, um, like I use something called top stick to, uh, to stick, let's just little like double-sided sticky tape to, to hide mics onto people. Well, it's for toupees, right? For toupees. That's why it's oh, called, like, that's top why stick. it's called uh. top stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so buying like the amount of top stick that I bought, like not knowing how much I was going to use right. in six months, uh, it was like 10 boxes of it <laughs> and I still have some, it's been three months since I got back and well, I haven't used get, it all. Get into the toupee industry. I can most. do that. I have enough to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, I mean, I definitely want to hear, if possible, stories about Nicolas Cage, but we can <laughs> we can save that a little bit. Okay. I think um, maybe we'll we'll take it back a little bit because, um, I mean, I just I admire you so much for just. I mean, if I may say so, you're a young guy, mm-hmm. and so to have reached this um, place in your career where you are, even you know, with COVID and everything, like um, g- getting these opportunities and uh, you know being professional and providing so much value to all, all these kind of big projects. Um, I'd love to know, I guess, and this is a long question, but mm-hmm. um, a little bit about your journey getting there, because I feel like for maybe a lot of young people who may be interested in getting into the field of sound recording yeah. in this day and age, um, I'd love to know a little bit about your journey and then um, maybe some tips you might have for people, I guess, maybe just starting out or even, sure. even in like high school who are thinking about what they want to do with their lives mm-hmm. or um whatever but let's uh let's let's take it back even sure. further marco what were you like let's as a go kid back <laughs> oh my gosh um well if we want to go back that far oh yeah um i mean i can really thank my mom for putting me into piano lessons when i was like eight because that really that basically morphed into me um learning to want to like wanting to learn to play the guitar and then that kind of led into wanting to start recording myself, right? So in high school, actually, no, it was even before that. It was in grade eight. I had, um, remember Home Alone? Yes. Uh, Home Alone 2, <laughs> he had those uh, that toy you could buy. It was like a talk boy. 
where I don't know if you remember it in the in the movie, he was using this like talk boy to talk into and then playing back his voice in slow motion to make himself sound older than he yes. was. So I had that toy and I used to uh, like my first demo tape ever. I actually used that device to awesome. to like record myself <laughs> and then play it back on another cassette player and then basically multi-track on these like uh-huh. yeah um so that was like my first experience recording um and then going into high school like I played it all the me and my my buddies would play we just play Blink-182 covers in front of the school and we would Sorry. just record ourselves and it's just like <laughs> that was my favorite band back in the day so um and then that like you know led me to to start venturing into um like home recording and that was like 2008. Um, so fast forward a, a few more years. I was I went to Ryerson for radio and television broadcasting, um, and then I, I met a lot of really cool people at that school. Um, Ryerson's a university in Canada yep. for you international mm-hmm. folks. <laughs> and uh, and then from there, like I was basically at, at in my last year, uh, I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Like I. I, I was also working at this bar called Duffy's Tavern, uh, mixing metal bands and, and like country music and like any, any music that would come through. I did that for, for a couple of years and then I'd record, I'd offer to record all these bands. I'm like, guys, I have a studio. You should come and check it out. You know, I'm like, I think a couple people actually came, um, but then from there I got into, uh, I, I, started looking into like live entertainment companies and I worked for a company called Claire Global where we would work in warehouses until like sometimes it'd go until midnight. Like it would go really late, like setting up shows for the ACC Mm. and like, you know, running like 300 feet of, of like audio snake into these big caddies. And it was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty brutal job at times. Um, that, and there's reasons why I, I had stopped doing it. Um, Cause I got a little bit like the lifestyle I realized it wasn't going to really be for me. Um, but then basically like I, I worked there for an entire summer. Um, and while I was working at Claire global setting up shows, uh, I had also landed a, um, a boom, a boom operator position on a, on a web series, on a kid's web series. And f- funny story, the way this happened, I was, was kind of cool. Cause I was, I was interning at a post-production facility called deluxe post in Toronto. It's not, it's not at that location anymore. It used to be around Sherborne and uh, King around there. Uh, and I met a producer there um, and he was like, Hey, we, you know, we need a boom operator for this web series. Um, if you want to come on, you're more than welcome to. Um, and while I was working at Duffy's Tavern, there'd be this, uh, my, my, well, my really good friend, Kirill. I hope you're doing well. Um, no, it's yeah. <laughs> he was, uh, he would just frequent the bar and he would always just, you know, he was a sound guy as well. And he would just uh, come up to me and offering me all these like mixing tips while I was mixing these bands. And, and he was telling me he had been in film for like 10 years at that point. And this was 10 years ago. Right. So he was telling me all his experiences on set. And he's like, maybe you can come boom for me one day, wow. you know? Mm-hmm. And I never thought anything of it. He moved moved away. I hadn't seen him for like a year or so. And then sure enough, he ends up being the mixer on this uh, on this web series. And and like that was so super comforting for me mm. to um, to be in a, you know, to, to get onto set and just be at home with this person because he was a, he's such a, like a great dude. And he really, like, he's really passionate about sound and, and he taught me everything in those six, six weeks, like things that I, I've learned a lot since, but I mean, the core of, of like what I learned was in those six weeks 
and and uh, I never got paid for that job. That was like twelve hours a day for for like six weeks, and, and there was a bit of a uh, there's reasons why people didn't get paid. I, I still haven't gotten paid, but mm. it was one of the few things that I haven't gotten paid for. But really, it was priceless. Mm. Like what I learned on that was, was super priceless. So um, that was in 2013 when I did that web series. Um, all the while still doing, still working, uh, at the, at Duffy's mm. and, and like I, I started doing, um, I started, uh, what was it working at a radio station as well? Cool. So just kind of like getting all my bases covered, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. throwing myself into, into absolutely everything and then seeing what came of it. And it was really, uh, it was really the location work that, that just kind of took off. I was really after, after those, that web series, um, Kirill, started passing me jobs. Mm. Um, and I used all the money that I saved up, um, while working in live sound and working at the radio station. And I spent like three grand on a, on a small like task recorder and like one lav mic and a boom. And that's what I, I started with. And, and like, start summer, right? you know, like, yeah. yeah. So I hear people these days, um, asking me, you know, can you, how's a zoom H six to, to do sound with? Like, do you recommend anything more? And I'm like, you can, you can do with anything. Like it's, it's only going to like better gear is going to make your, your job a lot easier down the road. But like any experienced sound technician can, can use like the most basic of, of gear and get great results from it. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. You know? Well, and I think, um, it's, it's interesting Firstly, like how serendipitous it was with the Kirill and yeah. him being sort of at, at your first job there. And then that being not only a catalyst for like a huge educational experience, but then also a lot of your gigs sort of thereafter. And then also yeah. showing you that you kind of like this world of location sound. Is that what it's called? It's, it, yeah, it's, it's location sound, um, location recording. There's many ways you can you can say it. But I remember... It's it happened more than once, but um, after those six weeks, I'm like, I'm never doing this again. Oh, really? Like, yeah, that was my <laughs> my experience with it. I liked it, but I also it's it's a it's a long haul. Like, right. it's really um, you really need to to kind of set your life up so that you can go on these super long uh, gigs because it, it takes up a lot of your time. Um, and if you can't balance them properly, mm-hmm. then, you know, I've heard stories like there's a lot of, yeah, people getting divorced. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's a lot of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. because it's, uh, it's addicting too. You kind of want to keep saying yes otherwise. Right. So you kind of, you know, for me, I found a balance in, you know, doing feature work, um, but then also, kind of staying alive in the commercial and, and, and corporate world because you can kind of generally the days are a lot shorter right you have your weekends you're not really doing many overnights and things like that so um I, I got my feet wet in both and that's kind of where I'm trying to keep it at now so so a couple yeah. terms that I've only learned recently um the location sound so that's when you're actually on a set whether it's a commercial or a movie and you're recording sound of mm-hmm. whatever's happening there whether it's actors or things, uh, people and objects. Um, and then as well, I, I only learned recently, like within the last year, I think what, what boom was actually. So this is, this is very like common terminology. (laughs) What you don't know, right? Like you're not going to run into it necessarily. But for the audience at home who like me did not know what that was, it's like the guy and I hope I'm right here as well. Uh, the person who holds that big mic above a scene and, and I think Tyr was telling me, cause when he was on set with you as well, like, don't you have to like hold 
hold that for like literally hours. Like I can barely like you take breaks. Like <laughs> okay. you wouldn't hold it continuously like that. And Marco yeah. showed me some good techniques to save yeah. your muscles on that. But uh, it's very important you hold it right and not be too whatever about it. Because if it gets in the shot, you're gonna screw the shot up. Right. Yeah. You know. So you have to be very mindful of like what the framing is and stuff, and work very closely with the yeah. director to make sure that you understand like what the scene is, where the framing, dialogue's coming in, and it's very yeah. framing and shadows, reflections. Shadows. You're right. basically a ninja. At that point, right? Yeah, you don't yeah. you don't exist. Yeah. <laughs> right? But you're also super important because that's how you hear what's being said. Yeah. Um, and, and going back to what you were saying, it's really uh, generally like you're never really holding a shot, holding your hands up for more than 15 minutes. I mean, like I've I've seen some pretty long shots, but the, generally they don't go beyond that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, a good technique is to just constantly be there's many different. Uh, positions you can you can hold the pole um, and you're kind of like always like this is the field goal position this is actually mm-hmm. way more comfortable mm-hmm. than than this is mm-hmm. because your your shoulders and your elbows are locked mm-hmm. um, but I'm always kind of like every you know 30 seconds I'm, I'm shifting my okay. my um, my posture so that my arms don't get too tired and and I've mastered the art of booming with one hand and oh, wow. on my head which isn't really recommended a lot of the time because it's not really that safe but I've never dropped it once although I don't really for for like big scenes with big actors I'll, I'll never do that I'll just I'll boom with my head if I know that there's not anything that can happen if if right. it slips right you know? I've never hit an actor with a boom just for oh, the record like so many years that's yeah. impressive <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel so. like I wouldn't be so fortunate. And were you mentioning before that one of the best things to do is to try not to have as many contact points on the thing as you can, like really yeah. almost try to make it levitate? That, that's right. So there's uh, there's knuckles on the boom pole where they where each uh, telescoping portion of the boom uh, screws into the uh, previous portion. So you kind of unscrew that and there's like these metal knuckles. And, and basically you want to have as, as few contact points with your hands. So I can kind of like, I'm basically, sometimes I'll even hold it like with one finger, wow. if it allows for that, I'm kind of counterbalancing it with this. And, and if it's a really sensitive scene and I don't want to make it, I can't risk making any noise with my hands at all, then I'm, I'm like barely touching it. But you're also, you need to follow actors around a room, right? You know, right. you got to really, and I've read it, I read this in a book. Um, there's a book called Sound Man by Richard Patton, which is an amazing, actually, Kirill lent me that book and I still have it after if you need a back career <laughs> you have one of my books too though so <laughs> um but he lent me that book and like i i read that like the entire uh six weeks on like kids web series called kids town um i read this book and and it kind of brought you through um you know how to negotiate like deal memos mm. and rates and then uh, mm. it wasn't really like a book explaining too many technical things it was it was more so like firsthand onset experience which is it still holds up it's an amazing book and uh and in i think it was the first chapter like the first paragraph of the first chapter and it and it was telling uh, it was it said um that if it's quiet enough you can hear your pulse vibrate down the boom pole into the microphone um and like that kind of goes to show like any little yeah you basically uh you have to hold it like a feather and a lot of the times you're running or you're 
you know, you got to crouch down into really uncomfortable positions or you're, you're trying to av- avoid a, a, like a dolly movement, um, like a, like a camera moving on a, on a set of tracks. And you're kind of like, you're, you're working around everyone else. Usually you're, you're always in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. <laughs> um, and you're just trying to, yeah, to be a little bit like transparent and, and that's what makes a good sound man I think is to just to be able to to get great audio um and not get in in anyone's way and and not get you know not piss anyone off right (laughs) yeah Uh, it's so fascinating to to hear because I like most people have really no like knowledge about how movies and things like that are made I just watch them and I don't even think about now that I know like how prevalent like I guess booms are I don't even know how I thought sound was captured before (laughs) I guess I just thought like I didn't even think about it and and now when I'm watching movies I'm thinking like there's a boom guy like right outside the scene and like so now I'm thinking like in the actor's mind of like oh they're not just like in the scene they've got like a hundred people around them and just oh, like yeah. things Lights you don't even think cameras, about yeah. mics, all this. <laughs> like yeah. people watching them like making sure that they're doing yeah. exactly the right thing yeah. it's a lot of pressure being on set like as, as an actor or as a director or as anybody because you know because really, like yeah. you could be the one matchstick that falls down and then it's yeah. like everyone has to do a reset and that might be 50 yeah. people so you don't want to be the reason that the that there's a squeak in the wheel so right to speak. or and just like you forgot to press record like <laughs> oh that totally happens that's uh happened to me once <gasps> once or twice <laughs> yeah yeah i'm I sure you'll never happened. forget those days no i mean it happened uh I, yeah, I can safely say once on that entire Cayman Island job, um, but we had backup audio going to cameras, so it's all good, you know. Yeah. It was only, uh, yeah, it was it was fine. I did panic for for a moment um, because I'm like, what what happened? Why didn't like? Usually, it's because I didn't hear somebody say "roll" or something mm. like that, or I thought maybe. I think we we determined that the reason that it, it didn't No, you know what happened? It's not that I didn't roll is that I cut the take too early. Hmm. Um, and because I'm, I'm using an iPad and, and I have a soundboard and, and a recorder and each one has a stop button on it. Um, I, we might've, I might've hit the stop button on one of those things accidentally, you know? So it, it cut the take a little bit too early. And I remember getting an email that morning cause they're doing dailies overnight. They're getting, they're basically taking all the video and audio. They're syncing it overnight and then sending it to the director the next morning so wow. that they can watch the footage from the previous day. Okay. And if there's any ever any issues, um, they'll usually let you know in the middle of the night. So I woke up to this text saying, why is this, uh, why is scene 4C take one like short? And uh, I was still like, that was like a week into this production, right? Oh, so man. I'm like, oh man, I don't want to uh, like, yeah, it just, I didn't want to paint a, like mm-hmm. a certain image of myself of, so, Jeez. but you know what? It was all good. We, we managed to salvage the take. It wasn't the end of the world. And, and we did like five takes of that. I spoke to the director and the producer and everybody was cool. Um, so it just kind of, yeah, it happens once in a while. I think it's happened to the best of us. I've, I've heard some stories right. of people being on, on like mountains, um, like Mount Kilimanjaro and they were interviewing somebody and like the, the sound recorders just didn't press record, like like the entire interview. Or uh, like one time, a, a, I know a guy that had to leave a um, a bag, an audio bag, on a helicopter because he couldn't be on the helicopter himself. And and that happens sometimes too. Like uh, sometimes I might have to leave my bag in the trunk of a car, 
um, where I'm I, like, it's too small for me to fit. So I kind of just have to set all my levels and just trust that it's going to, it's going to work out. Mm. Um, so, you know, this person put it in a helicopter and he just didn't press record and like, oh my God. yeah, you know, <laughs> so it happens a lot. <laughs> But makes yeah. me feel a little better for like the low stakes of the podcast where we're like, we had the one time where one mic didn't record. Yeah. But like, and ironically, it was my own. Oh I didn't yeah? hit record my own microphone. <laughs> so I ended up having to grab audio off of the camera, which is just right. awful. But like, it, you know, what are we going to do? Right. Because like right. either that, we just have to scrap the whole episode. Yeah, exactly. But sometimes, but in your case, it's really th- like thankful that the camera had the backup audio even though if yeah. you, it doesn't matter if the preamps aren't the best like it's just as long as you can hear it like, yeah exactly as long as they even have audio to reference if they had to do mm. adr or something like that adr is um, uh so adr is automated dialogue replacement um and it's it's actually quite common like i, I guess sound recorders can pride themselves on on what percentage of adr a film need because every every film needs adr it's just it's just a fact and, yeah. and basically it's a. Uh, you know, there's many reasons for it. Um, a lot of the time it has to do with, uh, with audio that just wasn't able to be captured while on location, Mm -hmm. no matter what we try, there's just, there's nothing we can do. Um, and it's just, it's just a guide audio at that point. Um, and it happened a few times while we were in the, on the island, in the islands, there was one time where there was a scene on a, on an airport runway and, uh, and we couldn't turn off the plane. There was like scene of like three characters walking into a plane, having a conversation, having a conversation and we just the pilots wouldn't turn off the plane and the entire scene is just like, yeah. like you couldn't <laughs> oh, hear anything sure. you just couldn't hear anything so uh that was actually one of the funniest scenes that me and my 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 friend reed gooby i miss you he was my boom operator reed. Yeah. Up, reed. <laughs> and adam mckay he was my first boom op so uh me and reed still laugh about it because it's just such a an absurd scene to have to record sound on like that right. that right. was just so loud did they give you a reason why they wouldn't turn it off um there's a few reasons uh, actually they weren't even gonna let us on the plane there was actually <laughs> i won't get into that too much because um yeah say, say what you're allowed to yeah say, no it's like, okay yeah. it's okay uh but like basically the pilots were just like nope we're just not gonna do it we <laughs> can't turn it off and there's probably reasons behind it but no one really knew why mm. but um and and yeah there was like that and then there was like this metal door that just kept clanging that we couldn't figure out why that was happening and it was just uh like some some scenes are just you just laugh because uh how how absurd it is like you, you can't really do your job in these cases and uh, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, I just interrupt you, but um, over time, you know, maybe six, seven years ago when I was starting out, I probably would have really been stressed out in those situations mm-hmm. and, and like taken the responsibility and the blame for that and mm-hmm. thinking it was my fault somehow. But now a lot of the time I'm just like, you know, I can't do anything. Yeah. So. And this is where they like the actors would go like into a studio and just like say the lines there. Yeah. So basically, uh-huh. they go into the studio, they watch themselves on screen, and then they'll they'll loop a certain clip and they'll they'll get it'll take them a while to like right. get into the headspace again and basically try to mimic themselves and watch themselves on screen and try to replicate how they said the lines. Yeah. Um, which is okay, and you know when you're when you're saying just regular dialogue, but a lot of the times um, there's a lot of um, like emotion that they're mm-hmm. trying to convey. So those are generally like uh, like emotional scenes, um, scenes that have like anger or like even funny scenes are generally 
um, the hardest to ADR because it's, it's hard to kind of recapture those moments. Um, and we, there was quite a few, uh, circumstances where I remember the worst part about the Cayman Islands and it's not a place to shoot out to, to, it's not really audio friendly because there's, there's so many roosters on that island. Oh, really? <laughs> like there's just like, it felt like millions of roosters everywhere at all, like <laughs> all times of the day. Um, and you know, you'd be good for the most part, like every now and then you might hear one. Um, but when you're doing overnights and you have like most of the night where there's like, there's no roosters at all. And then like four in the morning comes around and then they all just start going. And there was this one, um, kind of cottage we were shooting at. And I found out later that there was like an actual chicken coop, like in the house next door. So we couldn't even scare the roosters away. Like usually what I would do, I'd, I'd get a PA and, and just get them to kind of like shoot these roosters away if they became too loud. Um, but this, in this case, we couldn't. And it was one of the most emotional scenes of the film. Uh, it was like the, the, like, you know, the pinnacle of, of the movie. It was like mm-hmm. the, the most important scene. And there's just like, and it was quiet and it was just like, you know, soft. And, and they're really like getting into this headspace. And then all of a sudden you just have these super loud roosters <laughs> distracting them. Uh, and I actually had uh, that actor come to me later. He's like, so what are we going to do with these roosters? Like, are those, mm-hmm. are they going to be... St- you know, like, can you do anything about it at all? And yeah. I, and I just said, you know, if it doesn't take place over dialogue, then they can easily take those out. But if it, if it happens over something you said, then that needs to be yeah. ADR. Um, so the, I'm curious to see how that scene is going to play out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, what an awful problem. To have. <laughs> it's funny though. You can't yeah. help but laugh. Right. Cause it's just like, it stresses well, you out in the moment, but it's like, it's just funny. It's, it's like, who has a rooster funny. problem? Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm dealing, um, is it this, remember those, uh, those memes where it's like, uh, what my mom thinks I do, what society yeah. thinks I do, oh, yeah, what, yeah. what my friends think I do. And there's one of a, like a sound recordist and like, uh, you know, each one, like what my friends think I do is kind of like, uh, I think, I think the picture was working with a bunch of like, you know, high class celebrities and things like that. And then what we really do is just deal with, with planes and air conditioners and like just things that make annoying sounds. Um, that's kind of what our job comes down to in a way is just kind of managing the, the environment to tame it so that it's, it's manageable and you can, you can work. And, um, one of, one of my biggest, um, or one of the hardest parts about my job, especially in the Cayman Islands, is deciding whether or not uh, I want to make the crew suffer and turn the air, air conditioner off. Mm. Um, mm. Because, like, you kind of got to pick and choose your battles. And, like, you know, I know what can be removed in post at this point. Mm. But, like, if I can if I can make the room as quiet as humanly possible, I will. But I'll always have to kind of give a little bit of, um, you know, kind of back off a bit because if, if I turn the AC off all the time, then, um, yeah, the crew is going to hate me. Uh, yeah. You'll be so, that guy. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be that guy. So you kind of, you know, you, you really want to pick and choose, um, how much of like what's acceptable at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's never going to be absolutely perfect. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, a little bit of, of ambience in the scene, you know, uh, is going to sound actually kind of natural in mm-hmm. certain situations. So like, uh, yeah, the, the most, like the worst part is if it's, if it's a sound that's inter- intermittent. So if there's a sound like a refrigerator that's on, mm-hmm 
for the for majority of the scene and then all of a sudden it just mm-hmm. it just stops and then you have you know one shot pointing this way and you have this background noise and you, you move to that side and then yeah. there's nothing so when when that's cutting back and forth like there's ways to to work around that like mm-hmm. you know people who dialogue edit are amazing at what they do um but it's just yeah basically um doing the best you can with what you have available to to make to yeah manage the background so i also think it's really interesting that uh, what you mentioned about like you have to, I guess, make some compromises because you are working with other people and they need to be comfortable enough to do what they need to do and what they're responsible for. And just thinking again, like how many people are involved with like any particular production. And um, I'm curious as well. I think uh, I'd love to know a little bit more about how you guys met because I don't mm. I think maybe I know this, but I don't I know that you guys. Um, I know that you had Tear help you on set a couple of times, yeah. um, but how Which did you, awesome, by the way. How did you cool. meet in the first place? And like, what, what were those kind of gigs that you'd done together? Yeah, I guess, well, I'll let you take the reins on sure. this one. I don't want to talk um, too much. Well, I mean, uh, Long and McQuaid, I, I, I met Tear at Long and McQuaid because um, he works there and that's my local, like if I'm not buying stuff at True Audio, which is where I buy all my location sound supplies, I'm at Long and McQuaid uh, buying buying all this and you actually sold these microphones to me that day ah, yes yeah these ones right yeah. here oh yeah these ones super solid choice <laughs> yeah. you're gonna love these ones marco yeah i mean don't they sound amazing yeah yeah isn't it really good when you get close to the microphone yeah, it's just so it's so incredible <laughs> for, um, uh, for those folks at home um i guess i don't really mention this too much because uh well i don't know uh tear is a man of many talents as well and uh i don't typically put um pro audio salesman extraordinaire in in the bios of you but i appreciate that but yes tears uh <laughs> day job when he's not helping me with my millions of creative projects uh he gets up and goes to work and sells pro audio gear and uh mics like these and yep. meets people like marco so it's a mm-hmm. beautiful it's a beautiful thing yeah it is a beautiful thing and that, i think that's one of the main things that stood out to me uh, about Tier is that he's just incredibly knowledgeable, super helpful, um, and just kind of dude. Like you, I mean, any answer, any question that I had about any piece of gear, he just had such a an extensive, um, you know, background in it. And and I learned a lot in those those times at Long McQuay, like asking you questions about things, and and like you're so helpful. And I think the conversation just kind of evolved, and and I started talking about like what I do, and then he showed some interest. I'm like, well, you should come out one day and check mm-hmm. it out. Uh, so I I brought you out to a couple things. Yeah, to a couple yeah. shows, and yeah. they were they were cool movies too. Yeah. Like not just like little nothing gigs where like if I screwed up, it would have made you look really bad. Right. So I'm I'm glad that. Uh, I didn't do anything too bad. I did drop your buddy Darren's um, Lectra oh, uh, really? receiver once. Oh, he dude. wasn't too pleased about oh, that. Okay. But uh, everything was fine. Okay. That was the only yeah. screw up I had there. And I mean, I, it happens, man. Like, yeah. they're, I've, I've dropped those things all the time. Yeah. They're, they you seem don't want to drop them. But no. Like, they're, they're actually on the box itself. It says not fragile. And there's a picture of one <laughs> dropping off a building. <laughs> so, like, they're, they're built like tanks, but yeah. every now and then. Uh, they do break and, and I had a couple uh, instances in the Cayman Islands where like I remember so my, my first boom up Adam McKay uh, I think he when he plugged it into the to the microphone like it just it it barely it started to call you out man but like it, it basically just didn't <laughs> clip in and I think it dropped like a foot and it stopped working you know and that was my oh, only wireless oh, transmitter no. like so from that point forward we had to go wired and like I didn't have a problem with it 
But, you know, going from a wireless boom to having to run a hundred foot cable all of a sudden is oh, like, no. is not very fun. It, like you get used to the wireless on features. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a perk. Um, and it was kind of funny cause I'm like, it's kind of an initiation to be a boom mm-hmm. up. You want, you got to go cable first and then you, <laughs> and right. then, you then you work yeah. your way to, to wireless, but he kind of went backwards. So, <laughs> so like for like two weeks we were going wired and it was such a pain because like, you know, we were on different floors and mm. this, we, we shot in this mansion in this first movie. And like, you're kind of, you're, you're always trying to find a place that's out of the way. Mm. Um, so you're always running these super long cables. Right. Then, Cause you can see it on the ground and stuff. Like you have to be very strategic. Yeah, you gotta be that. really careful where you run. So even that in itself to have a cable go- going to set, you want to be careful. Cause like sometimes, yeah, if they're showing, if it's a wide shot and then they're showing the entrance way of a, of a room and you, you know, you got to hide your cables. Mm-hmm. So, um, I remember, so I ordered another transmitter and, uh, and like the first day we used that one, it was for a scene, uh, where there was, there was a water gag involved. So it was like fake rain. And, uh, basically the scene was, uh, so Ron Perlman was the lead actor in this movie. He's, he's Hellboy. And, uh, and there was a scene where he was like banging on this, um, uh, this truck, this this bakery truck, it was what the main vehicle was in the movie. And there's just like a ton of water just pouring on him. And I'm like, I want to capture that audio. Like, it's going to be a risky shot, but like, I can still mm-hmm. do it. You know, like we can wrap, uh, that's what, that's what you use uh, these non-lubricated condoms for. You just wrap the transmitters oh, really? in the condoms. Yeah. Wow. Like, like, especially on, on like, um, like a show like Top Chef Canada that I worked on for a few seasons. Um, you just wrap the transmitters in condoms. Oh, because like, wow. of oils sweat. and crap. Well, yeah, yeah, more so because of the sweat. Right. Um, and and they're like location audio branded condoms. There's like no a, a boom operator on the on the package. That's so yeah. funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So I, I like double wrap this transmitter. I'm like, there's no way the water's gonna get in this thing. It's only mm. for one shot, you know? And sure enough, like it was three seconds. Three seconds. I like oh, no. as soon as I got the mic back, the whole condom was filled with water. It was like the the transmitter was like swimming in a little fish tank. Well, um, and, and then it just like you know crapped out on me in that moment. And I was like talking. I showed Adam. Well, because he couldn't believe it. I'm like, dude, we just I just broke the transmitter, and this was the second one oh we got shipped in. God, you know. Uh, so he, we were in disbelief. Like it was like four in the morning. We're just like gonna crash out. We're so tired, and he just started laughing. And he couldn't believe it. So then we're we're wire like we're we're cabled again all of a sudden, right? Um, and I was gonna ship both of them to Electrosonics in in New Mexico, and then I basically just. Uh, you know, they said, put it in a bag of rice first to see, Mm. uh, if it's going to dry up. And sure enough, it did before I, I was like, it was in the box ready to ship out. Um, and then, or no, it was in the, it was in the bag of rice. And before I was going to put it in the box to ship out, I'm going to try this out. And then sure enough, it turned on. It lasted the rest of the four months. Wow. But until we got back here, like usually what happens is, uh, if there's any sort of like salt in the water, like it was clean Mm. water, but uh, what happens is if there's dirt or, or salt in the water, then it, it, it'll corrode the chips over okay. time. And, and that's what happened. So when I got mm-hmm. back here is when it started to, to right. kind of cause me some problems. So yeah, I had a lot of gear crap out on me down there. There's like mics and transmitters and like, you know, yeah, you kind of want to have backups in that case. That's why I, I went ahead and, and ordered all this extra stuff because mm-hmm. like, you know, when you're down there and you're mm-hmm. like, 
you know, your, your recorder can just go down. Like, what are you going to do? You got to have a backup. That's true. So, I'm assuming yeah. you brought your old one with you too. I brought like, my old just one to too. make sure. Yeah. Cause yeah, exactly. Cause being anywhere tropical, anywhere salty, anywhere like high. Yeah. Anything that's not just like at a normal sea elevation is really hard on your gear because people who bring stuff to Brazil, yeah. for example, yeah. and their gear comes back moldy and they yeah. have to get it cleaned out because mm-hmm. of all that. Cause it's like 95% humidity all of the time. <laughs> yeah. And it makes the, all of the insides of your microphone, especially the grills where you talk, but anywhere, it gets rotten on the inside. And then by the time you're done your shoot, if it's like six months where you show like a, like a tropical movie, yeah, you're going to be in for quite a treat cleaning all of your gear out after that. And your bags and stuff too, like all the straps and whatever, mm-hmm. all this like gunk and mold and stuff that grows on there too. I'm like, still finding sand places <laughs> <laughs> in my, you know, certain cases and stuff like that. Like it cleans stuff out, but like there's always going to be a surprise, uh, like dirt here and there. And, and uh, yeah. So try yeah. your best to maintain all your equipment, but mm-hmm. that's why it, it's so expensive to like to buy and then maintain. And like mm-hmm. the reason the kit fees are, are what they are is cause like, right. yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's like, it's an expensive, uh, department to, to like own and maintain all your gear for mm-hmm. like, like things break all the time. Like, I can't even tell you, like, there's like, anytime I go to true audio, I'm never spending less than $200. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's insane sometimes. Yeah. Like when you, when you go there and you realize that what well, you have to fix, I'm like, wow. Yeah. This, this, it's a reason. There's a reason why, you know, sound like location audio rates are what they are because it's, it's a, it's a lot of work to just maintain everything. Yeah. So mm-hmm. especially the quality that they want to, for like exactly. a feature, it has yeah. to be top, top stuff. Totally. And to have to keep replacing and fixing top, top stuff is going to yeah. be top dollars too. It, it's so expensive yeah. and it's only, it only keeps getting more and more expensive. Really? Yeah. I would have thought it would be coming down at some point. But. Um, well, I mean like location, I mean, audio gear in general, um, you know, lucky for us is that it doesn't ever really go obsolete. Mm. Um, as true. It, it, um, as opposed to like camera equipment where they're always coming right. out with, with better and better cameras. Like you can still use microphones from the sixties. You can still use uh, like transmitters from the mid two thousands mm. and they're still going to work, but you know, your workflow and, and just like, you're not going to get as many of the benefits as some of the, the newer gear has, but it's still, it still holds its value. Um but every, you know, it seems like every year or so it's like, oh, electrosonics, like buy, buy it all now. Cause they're going to go up like 3%, you mm. know, like, and, and that has added up over time. And, and like, a even my, my, um, wireless setup is pretty modest. I only have five transmit, well, six cause of the boom and then, uh, three dual channel receivers. And then I got all my antennas and stuff like that. And it's still like a $23,000, like it's. You know, it's basic yeah, stuff, yeah. but it's expensive to yeah. even get to that point where right. you have this equipment to to get yourself um, to the places that you need. You know, mm-hmm. well, I think it's really, um, I think it's really interesting that like at the start of your journey, even before you kind of thought you'd be interested in getting to location sound and kind of growing your career there, that like what I guess got you started was taking any opportunity that kind of came your way and trying different things to figure out what you like, Mm -hmm. because I find that it's so hard to know what you want to do and what you like doing. And I know that a lot of people, for example, in, in whatever field, especially if they're younger and trying to get started, you know, maybe they've gotten an education and then they can't seem to, I guess, quote unquote, like get a break or find a job or get a gig and just getting that ball rolling 
seems to be so difficult for so many people. And I, I just, um, I really admire you for, you know, having come so far and trying so many different things and doing, you know, smaller gigs, doing gigs where you didn't get paid and Mm -hmm. like all that kind of stuff to eventually get to, to where you are now. So I think that's super, super commendable and inspiring. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I also want to, I guess, speaking of these microphones and this amazing gear here, it's just so nice to be in this beautiful podcast studio. Um, for those folks watching on the video, like this, even just this like background, I mm-hmm. believe you built this yourself. I, I did build this myself. Um, Man. I've been wanting to, you know, like create a, well, first of all, I wanted to treat the room. Um, so I, I built all these sound panels myself and did a bit of research in that. Man. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah they, they work really very pro. Well. Um, and like the, the last thing I wanted to build was a, as a fusion panel. Um, and I was looking at like different DIY projects, like things I can do myself. And there's a few different styles I could have chosen, but, um, you know, as I was looking online, I was just mesmerized by this one, uh, like diffusion panel that this company in France made. Um, and it was like one of the, the most beautiful, like eye catching designs I've ever seen in my life. And I, and then the YouTube link basically said, Oh, build this one yourself. Here's, wow. here's a link to the app. Uh, you can download it and then, uh, you know, it gives you the instructions on how to do it. So I, I was actually kind of, I didn't really believe it at that point. Cause I'm like, is it, can it really recreate and, and emulate what, what these, um, you know, acousticians and these, these, uh, designers in France actually made. And, uh, you know, it was really just about like, so the app was really cool because it, it let you, there's many different diffusion panels that you could choose from, like, uh, like different, um, types of styles. And, and one of the presets on it was the exact model, uh, and make of, mm-hmm. of this company wow. called, um, I think it's Dacoustic. And, um, the way it worked was like, you know, you, you basically put in the dimensions of, of like how big you want the panel to be. And then uh, how thick you the wood you're using is, and like mine was going to be, it's like four and a half feet wide and four and a half feet high. Uh, and when I calculated it, it's like you need 800 meters of wood, right? Which is like an insane yeah. number. <laughs> and, and I'm like, well, it's hard to picture that much. It's wood. a lot of wood. It's and uh, I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm like trying to. Uh, look online or at Home Depot, like how much does 800 meters of pine cost? And it's like $10,000 or something <laughs> like that. So I talking to my dad because he builds houses and, and he oh, was cool. able to source some wood and he's like, well, why don't you use poplar? It's it's like pretty cheap considering. Um, and, you know, I think 800 meters of it was like just over a thousand dollars. A lot better than ten. Yeah, big it's difference. A lot, yeah, it's <laughs> it's way different. And like um, basically, so the the wood came in nineteen millimeters. So I put in that number into the app, and then it just ran this algorithm, wow. and it gave me all the all the sequence numbers. And basically, is there's five thousand three hundred and twenty nine pieces here. And, um, yeah, basically, I just followed this this like template, and uh, I didn't know. Uh, what it was going to look like. I was just hoping it would come out like this, but uh, basically it's just, yeah, follow these number sequences, start gluing things together. Um, and it didn't give me a picture at all. It's like, oh, you know, really? yeah. So I was just like <laughs> hoping it would turn out. Yeah. And it did. Yeah. This was my Looks quarantine great. project. Yeah. This quarantine was project. what I nice. did. Uh, took me a year and a half of planning wow. and then five weeks of, of gluing, uh, 
wood together for like eight hours a day. Wow. Yeah, yeah this looks so. like it took forever <laughs> to put together. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And what does a diffusion panel do, again, for the people like me who don't actually know? Um, I mean, tear. Yeah, Lyric, sure, I can please. answer that. Uh, it, it's actually simple because like absorption is what it sounds like, right? It, it will, the sound gets stuck inside of something. Mm. Diffusion doesn't make the sound get stuck. It moves it around in a more random way. Because mm. you know if you walk into a completely empty room, how it sounds like flutter echo. And a lot of people at home, if you, if you clap your hands really loud, you hear like a da 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 sort of thing yeah. from the sound actually hitting the mm. floor and the ceiling a bunch of times. If you have enough of this, or if you combine it like Marco did, where there's absorption plus diffusion, mm-hmm. it means that when the sound hits this, because there's all of these little edges everywhere and all the pits and divots, mm-hmm. the, the sound in a pretty random way or quasi-random way will get reflected and moved around in a lot of tiny little patterns such mm-hmm. that the kind of reverberance you get from it is smooth. Mm. There aren't peaks in it. There aren't what's called wolf tones, mm. uh, where you'd have like specific notes that are really emphasized. Mm-hmm. If you're talking, oh, some rooms have like a res- like a resonance mm-hmm. to them. Uh, or musical instruments do the same thing with guitar amps and that kind of thing. So the point of this is that you're really tamping down mm-hmm. on those extra tones that get extra boosted mm-hmm. depending on the size and shape of your room and what kind of sound is coming from within it. For it to have a massive effect, it has to be at least this big Mm -hmm. and combined with other types of things. You can't just diffuse because your room would still be very live sounding, maybe even like pleasant, but you don't want it to have tons and tons of reverb, even if it's nice reverb, unless it's like a concert hall or something. But even concert halls are diffused like this, but huge one foot by one foot blocks, right? If you go to like Opera House or like a big place, that's been acoustically thought about. Mm -hmm. They don't have very much absorption there, if at all. Everything is diffusion, but they've thought about, okay, well, if the sound originates on the stage, how long would it take to go from here to here and how much diffusion or what type of diffusion we need to do to move it strategically? Right. So you can get really scientific about how you want to move sound Mm -hmm. around a room and allow the audience in the back to hear it. So diffusion can, can achieve a lot of interesting results. Well, and in base level terms, you're just, you're basically saying you're reducing like echo in a room. You are making the echo more pleasant. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. It's more of a smooth tone rather than Mm. like a distinct flutter or a distinct like moment in time. Like if you clap your hands in a canyon, for example, or yell into a canyon, you'll hear that back. Yeah. And this, if you want to think about it in those terms, removes that hear back. It's more of like a smooth fall off is what you're going to get. Still the same amount of reverb in the room. But instead of being a distinct tone, like an echo, it's more of like a, it tapers right. off. So I guess that's useful for like this area where you've ha- you have it set up for podcast stuff. You also have this incredible table that's you custom built mm-hmm. and you put yeah, these, like right. all these microphones are directly in the table, which I've never seen before. And then kind of going back to like the sound treatment and stuff, there's also off camera this other separate room where I guess yep. you have like a, it's like a there's vocal a, booth. There's you a do... vocal booth in there. Um, so there's also a treatment that I put in there as well. And, and really this, um, this room uh, specifically is, is for, you know, playback and, and mixing. 
Um, so I wanted to do my best to, uh, yeah, create a room that just is super balanced, sounds really good. You know, it's, it's like great for voice and, and podcasting and it also mm-hmm. just looks really cool and makes you feel really comfortable. It looks so know? cool. Like for, yeah. for someone like me who thinks like studio and gear and stuff looks really cool, but I don't really exactly understand how it works. I just like love, <laughs> I love the vibe. Yeah. Um, on the other side of these cameras, what you don't see is this huge, just like area with the screens and computer and mixing boards and things and knobs and it looks really sick <laughs> <laughs> like you feel like you're in a studio yeah man. that's the important part yeah, yeah and like the lighting and everything you've got crystals um i mm. what so what was your sort of journey and objective with this space and i guess like do you also rent it out to other people to use and that sort of thing yeah um so i mean really starting this uh, like the studios at like after everything I've over everything I've done, um, the studio has been here the longest. Right. So mm. this took me yeah, 2008 as when I started. So it's been like 13 close to 14 wow. years or so of, of mm. just kind of like, this used to be my, my bedroom. Oh wow. Yeah. So there's my <laughs> bed in here. There's, uh, you know, and over time like that slowly transitioned. So my bed, I was in, then only a couch that turned into a bed. And then like, now there's like no bed in here at all. Right. Like it took me a while to, um, to kind of transform this space into how I saw fit. Um, and it's taken, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of time and energy and like trying to do things myself. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, everything you see here, including the, the desk and the vocal booth and, and everything is like custom designed because like the ceilings are pretty low in here. Mm-hmm. So even the, the door for the vocal booth, like mm-hmm. it's like a really wide glass door, um, that had to be custom, um, ordered and made. And, and wow. like, it's just like all these little things that you wouldn't really think about. Um, you know, even there was one year that my friend and I, tore down our entire ceiling and then and then uh, basically hung it on these like z channels so it's it's a floating ceiling so you don't hear Hmm. any um you don't hear any footsteps from upstairs like there's a lot of uh, a lot of little things that took a while to get to this place and feels good to kind of like just be at a place now where i'm like i'm done for a little while you know Mm because half of it is just um yeah trying to find ways that you can improve the look and feel of the place and, and also improve functionality. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, you know, um, you know, maintaining and keeping all your, um, software and, and computers and things right. up to date too. Um, and you know, that's why I'm, I'm, uh, I've invested in like a company like RME where their, their drivers aren't really dependent on, on like uh, software and, and hardware upgrades on like Apple and, and windows. It's more right. so, you yeah. know, like, so little things like that where, um, you know, I'm putting my money into places that, um, yeah, are going to basically save me money in the long mm-hmm. run. And, and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a so. huge lesson, right? Cause if you get the good stuff, that's what it, it is, feels yeah. expensive at the beginning, yeah. but then the fact that you're not having to constantly upgrade it and stuff, totally. like it, it is cheaper to get better it stuff is, right? in the long run. If you're, yeah. if you're serious about something now, mm-hmm. if you're just kind of dabbling, don't ever do that. Yeah. Get, get stuff that's commensurate to what you think you're going to do with it. But in the same way, you would never learn an instrument on like a high-end custom shop guitar, not unless you just had money to set on fire, but like you can learn the same, same way you got that little task game recorder. Yeah. It, it wouldn't have made sense for you financially and just like gig wise to get anything other than that. Exactly. So. It's like what I, the money I had at the time is in the, the skill set I had and, and basically, you know, growing into the equipment and then mm-hmm. kind of investing in things that I, I knew a little bit out of my, uh, my realm of, of like, uh, 
you know, use at that point, like, like the, the sound devices recorder I bought for the Cayman Islands. Like there's, there's features on that thing that like I'm not using right now, mm-hmm. but I know that, um, uh, putting that extra little bit of, um, yeah. money at the, at the start is going to help me out in the long run. Um, and that kind of like, that's kind of what happened here. Like I, I really built this place. Um, initially it was really just, you know, funny enough, it was just to record my own music. And then, uh, like it just kind of, slowly over time uh just started to gain a little bit of traction and the way this place kind of came to be um i i back in 2013 or 14 i was uh doing internships and recording studios i did one at pirate toronto which is a like a voiceover radio um uh, recording facility and then i did one at deluxe post and then i was working at a place called um or I did a few sessions at a place called DB Audio Toronto, which is a voiceover studio in the East End. And I met my buddy, uh, Neil McDonald there, who was like their main Shout engineer. Neil. Big up Neil. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he was working there for quite some time. And um, actually, he was there for a long time. I think he was with Dave uh, for like 13 years or something like that. And, um, you know, a couple years later, uh, he went freelance and he basically started seeing all these like pictures coming out of my space and he's like dude you gotta like bring me to your spot at one point you know and he lived like <laughs> five minutes away from here right so he, he came over he really liked it here he started to uh to recommend some of the people that would frequent mm. db audio mm. and um a couple of them uh there's a there's a company that i work with called power of babel they needed a new spot to call home um and and they needed you know, something that was like convenient and kind of in the West end and friendly and just kind of like, you know, up to, up to standard. Um, and they like Neil brought them over here that one time and, and they just, they loved it. And they've like over the last three years, um, we've done a lot of work together and, and this place has turned into a, like we're primarily a, a voiceover studio where cool. we do language versioning. Yeah. It feels so. like that. Cause the way that it sounds in here is so yeah. clear for yeah. dialogue. I noticed that right away. I'm like, Oh, you could totally cut vocals in here. Yeah. And, and that's really what it's. Thank you. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. And it, I was actually, um, I think just cause this is like a curiosity of mine. We, we talked about it a little bit before off camera, but, mm-hmm. um, I don't think I know, or can, I can't remember what software people use to sync dialogue either remotely. Cause I say, yeah, cause I know you're, it's like a challenging thing to get the yes. lines to line up with the picture right. yeah. and not all the actors are always in the same place. Like what, yeah. what do you use to facilitate that? So there's a, um, a software that, uh, was brought to my attention called voice cue. And what mm-hmm. that does, um, and I'm working with, um, with a director named Simon D. Scott. Shout out Simon D. Scott. <laughs> and he, uh, he's like super knowledgeable about this software. And he's like one of the few people in Canada really who, who knows it as well as, as he does. Like it's, it's a, a very small company out of New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Uh, not many people even know about it, I don't think. Um, and it's a really kind of complex software where what it does is it, is it allows you to take a, um, take a video source, like, you know, uh, whatever video you want to use to, um, to overdub your dialogue. So if it's like, we were doing a kid's kids animated television series. Um, and similar to ADR, the voice actor will watch the, the little animated Mm -hmm. cartoons in real time Mm -hmm. and then have to synchronize their voice, whether it be in French or any other language at all in time with, uh, with the video, the, with the visuals. So what this software does is it takes the script and it, 
and it kind of overlays it over top of the video. Um, and then it, it plays it in real time. So when they watch the video, they can see the script mm. in time with the audio transients and waveforms. So every single vowel is, is like time stretched exactly to wow. how it, you know, how you would say it when you're, when mm. you're repeating it kind of thing. And it's uh, it's called Rhythmo band and, and it's a really neat, um, really cool software. It's, it's kind of, um, it was new for me at the time and it's still, it's a finicky software. Like we're, uh, you know, we're learning to work with, um, some of the, yeah, I guess the, the situation at hand with COVID and, and like not being able to be, uh, like there's been a lot of remote work that has come from this. So, so what Simon does is he stays in his studio in Montreal. He, uh, he zooms in here, but also he's actually controlling one of our computers here. Uh, the iMac, which is running voice queue. So he's screen sharing that one. He's running voice queue from his computer in Montreal. And then voice queue actually um, controls Pro Tools on a separate computer via a MIDI loop. And and that's kind of how like the computer with Pro Tools talk communicates with the computer with voice cue on it so that we're both in sync so i hit play i hit record it affects his computer in montreal he hits stop it's it's stopping so it's it's kind of super cool it was pretty cool yeah it was it was pretty awesome and uh and to get that working to get that dialed in took like months of just like figuring out how to best configure it because there's many ways you can do it. Like some people use Wi-Fi, some people use all these different options and, and MIDI just seemed to work like off the bat. It's still kind of, you know, finicky and like being in the Cayman Islands, like I had to like troubleshoot over the phone a lot of the time mm. and um, we got it to work and yeah. And, and answer your question to your, um, another software that people are using these days is called Source Connect. And that's mm-hmm. a, uh, it's a replacement for ISDN lines, which were big in the, in the nineties where like, uh, recording studios had their own dedicated telephone line mm-hmm. to, um, to send and receive audio from, you know, if you're in anywhere in the States, um, sending and receiving audio in another recording studio in, in different places around the world, right. the, Source Connect is like the um, internet equivalent of that. And it's mm. kind of like an official replacement for ISDN lines. And it's it's a pretty cool software. Um, and a lot of voiceover actors and actresses are uh, kind of, everybody owns it now. So people are just setting up at home and then they'll patch into a recording studio who also has Source Connect. But then the really the thing is there is that then they have to make sure that they have a good enough microphone, right. like yeah. a, a good sounding room. And it's, you know, I've, I've uh, worked with some voice actresses recently who, uh, you know, it's, it's challenging because like it's, it's convenient to not have to travel to a recording studio to, um, to get and do your work, but also, uh, you know, it's not always perfect in these apartment complexes yeah. where you might have mm-hmm. like construction happening or so, stuff like that. Yeah. So it's always, yeah, it's kind of, tricky in that sense you know mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think it's uh it's amazing that just hearing about this kind of like remote workflow kind of thing that you've uh there are ways where you've been able to adapt i guess in the environment of covid um i hate to bring up covid again mm-hmm. but um i guess also i'm just thinking back to what it must have been like at the start of the pandemic where things were really really shut down before we kind of knew 
what was going to happen, have things open up again and, and that sort of thing. And I guess in your line of work where a lot of it is traveling to a film or a TV set, commercial yeah. set. And now I guess was like none of that happening at, for a period of time and like slowly yeah. kind of came back. There was a good three months where like the film industry was, was as dead as could be. Um, it was, yeah, it was kind of shocking to, to just having been in such a grind for so mm. long and, and just like, it was, it was March. So, um, we were ready to like, spring was going to be right, right around the corner. I was ready to gear up and get back into the, into the film sure. set kind of grind. And I was pre prepping myself for that. And I remember, uh, I had landed a feature, uh, the, at the last week of March, it was going to be like 12 days in Hamilton. It was, uh, I remember we were still like, you know, COVID had, had been a thing already at that point. And like, there were certain industries kind of shutting down. Like my, my sister was working at a, at a, like an event coordinating mm. kind of space and, and that shut down. And I'm like, that's not, there's no way it can happen to the film industry too. Yeah. Famous last <laughs> you know? words. Yeah. And I was like, we were ready to, to start rolling. Like we were, it was the night before we were supposed to to start 12 days on this movie. Uh, and then sure enough, like we got the email saying production's been canceled. Um, I'm like, Oh shit. It's only gonna be two weeks. You know, mm. I thought that's kind of like, I remember that, right. Cause <laughs> like, Oh, it's only going to be a month. Yeah. And, uh, and then it just kept like, the months kept, um, you know, moving forward. And then, um, like it was a good, yeah. Like all of May was, was completely dead. June. I had my first gig in July. So, and, and, you know, coming back onto set that one day, it was for a commercial mm -hmm. and like, it just felt like it, it was like this twilight zone. It was mm -hmm. kind of like, it, it was a very weird place to be. It was kind of like, you know, coming onto set with masks and stuff like that. Like we're used to it now, but I remember that first day was just, uh, you didn't really want to touch anything. You're mm -hmm. just like, this kind of feels, yeah, we're mm -hmm. still navigating through this and figuring it all out. And so that's how that kind of started. And oh, then, man. um, it picked up again, like later on that, that summer. So the gig started to kind of trickle in a little bit more. And then we, uh, I ended up doing like two booming two Christmas movies later that summer back to back. And that was Kirill. He, uh, he brought me out to boom for nice. him on those movies. Yeah. Nice. So, thanks Kirill. The, uh, Kirill yeah. Hookups, yeah. Major hookups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So oh, man. It's definitely a different environment. Mm -hmm. um, to have to navigate, especially now, um, you know, with, with the vaccine man mandates and things like that, there's, yeah, there's the, been jobs where I need to show proof of vaccination to get in. Um, and like, uh, some, this is a sort of mixed bag, you know, mm -hmm. like some places require tests, some places require proof of vaccine. Some don't, it's just kind of, it, mm -hmm. it depends on, on mm -hmm. the production company and how they run their, run their ship, you know? So. Well, yeah. I think it's safe to say you're working in an industry with, uh, I guess, was hit with extra uncertainty mm -hmm. around, um, in particular, the beginning. Yeah. Um, I, uh, boy, this is, I think, a good point to bring it to uh, perhaps a conversation around meditation or sure. things that good idea. maybe mm -hmm. help, um, you know, relieve uh, your anxiety or if you ever have feelings around yeah, just like the uncertainty, confusion, despair, like all that kind of stuff. Um, I feel that uh, you must be, um, well, yeah, like, uh, 
It's a big topic. How do you relax? A lot. Yeah. How do you <laughs> like, live optimally? Because <laughs> yeah. um, your life's so busy, man. Uh, yeah, like, I know. I mean, it's really... Um, that's a tricky... Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, thing to talk about because um, it, it, it just depends on on like a lot of, a lot of different things, like how, how, how dedicated and devoted I am to my meditation practice. And like, um, sometimes I'm in a really great headspace. And, and I remember like, there's been, uh, feature films where like, I've, I've stuck to my practice, both, you know, 20 minutes in the morning before set and then 20 minutes or half an hour at lunch for weeks and weeks on end. And as soon as you kind of get into that flow it's like it's just like working out you kind of want to maintain that mm-hmm. um and if you know sometimes if uh if your schedule is not really being friendly to you and not allowing for that uh consistency then you kind of take a step back from your practice too and then that can kind of be hard because you just finished two months of like being so on your game and like really allowing the practice to to flourish and take you into some really beautiful, blissful spaces. And then all of a sudden it just, it just stops all of a sudden because of, of like your schedule. But I find that like, um, you know, it doesn't really have too much to do with the schedule because if, if you're, if you're in a good place, then you kind of just make time for it. Mm -hmm. There's like, no matter what happens, like you will always make time for it. Um, but then sometimes I find, uh, I'm just way more like I'll, I'll wake up and I'll just, you know, my, my mind is preoccupied with the thing I was doing the night before. And then I'll be like, oh, I'll do my practice tomorrow kind of thing. And then, you know, days will kind of moving into weeks. And I'm like, I haven't meditated in what seems to be like a month or so. Uh, it feels like you take a step backward at that point, but, but you're just kind of flowing with, with what, uh, is being asked of you in that moment. And, and like, after kind of doing this and, and witnessing what my cycles have been and how, how devoted and dedicated I am to it and then taking a step back and then getting back into it. It's like, it's like seasonal almost like Hmm. you kind of, you kind of end up in the springtime when, when the, um, you know, the, like the snow is melting and things are coming alive again, you kind of just, uh, you're more inspired to want to get back outside and, and like, um, get to the park and, you know, and then do it every single morning. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes like in the winter time, like you're kind of stuck inside and it's hard, it's hard to just sit still and, and to meditate I find sometimes. So it kind of, yeah, there's a lot of different things that determine, um, how, how dedicated I am to that. But, um, you yeah. mentioned you were doing it for, I think you said eight years. Yeah. I mean, I, I basically, I got, I started to explore meditation and spirituality in like 2012. Um, and this was kind of like, I was just in a bit of a a transitional period in my life where I was still, you know, hanging out with people, um, and and like still friends of mine now, but you know, we were, we were out partying and drinking and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it just led to some situations that weren't really like I knew weren't in my best interest. And, um, I still went and explored those, those situations and, and like, um, you know, hanging out with certain people and things like that. And, and then I realized at one point I'm like, I, I saw this whole group of people who were, uh, yeah, like meditating and just like having amazing experiences. And I was really curious about what that, what that was. So I started to, um, like the way that I did it was I, 
I started to go to like certain, I guess, metaphysical kind of bookstores and things like that. And then just started to hang out with people that I wanted, that I was aspiring to, to want to be like, or just, you know, Mm -hmm. offering my services to them really. And, and uh, I remember I met a few people at some of these bookstores who were looking for, um, to record guided meditations, you know, and I'm like, Oh, cool. I got a studio. Like you should totally come and, and do that. And I found that was, uh, was like not only helping with, um, you know, it was, it was like, I was meeting people who was, who were already into this kind of stuff. I was helping them. They were teaching me and it was distracting me from the things that I was trying to get away from doing. Um, and that was really the whole point of doing that was to kind of, yeah, transform my life and to move it and to just change that trajectory this way. And, and like this, like everything you kind of see here has just been, you know, riding that same kind of tip, I guess, like that, that desire to want to like continuously expand and grow and, and like see where my, like my heart, my mind, like everything just takes me based off of this like intuition I have that like everything's just going to, you know, lead to the next best thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's important to have been, that confidence in yourself, right? Like mm-hmm. to know that you can make the best decisions for yourself. Yeah. And I think that speaks volumes mm-hmm. about your character. Mm, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm really, I'm really inspired to hear that. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, um, meditation itself, I, I find that it's, uh, it's definitely benefited me a lot, but I find that I've had a hard time to firstly, like express the benefits, Mm -hmm. um, particularly to people who are skeptical. So for example, my mom, I love you, mom. She's a very high powered person, very driven, very like analytical, intellectual, but also loves, you know, arts and culture, that kind of thing. She's a computer programmer. Mm -hmm. Um, But she's also adventurous and and all these things. And I, meditation is not something she's ever done. And I think in her mind, when I've talked to her about it, she's said things like, well, it seems like, if you're meditating, you're ignoring your problems by, I guess, going into the state where you're just not thinking about your problems. So part of her skepticism is that it feels like it's like an irresponsible thing to do. So that's one thing. Wow. The other thing that she'll say sim- in a similar token is that it's kind of like drugs where you're just getting high to like bliss out and again, kind of forget your problems. And I thought that was an interesting point of Cynicism, which I can I can certainly like empathize with because, you know, there are many periods in my life early on where even just if I came across somebody who was like nice and positive, I thought that they were either faking it or yeah. lying to themselves and that kind of thing. So that was a different state of mind. And so I was just trying to be compassionate with her state of mind. But I also don't want to give up on it and just kind of, I also don't want to be preachy and be like, no, you should meditate. It's great. Like I want to, I guess, be able to express maybe in her terms, like what it is or what kind of benefits or what you're actually doing. I'm curious if you have any, I guess, tips or thoughts on that. Definitely. Um, Well, I mean, it, it, it was quite a journey of like, and I'm still on the path now of, of like, basically I'm, still rediscovering like what 
what meditation has to offer, even after having like some incredibly explosive, beautiful experiences doing it. Um, but you know, when I was first starting it, I, I actually was listening to binaural beats a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And if, um, for those who don't know what binaural beats are, um, they're just a series of, of tones that you listen to. Um, there's like one sine wave in, in this year and another sine wave in this year, and they're offset by like a few Hertz. Um, and what it does is it's, well, it's called brainwave entrainment. So it's trying to mimic, uh, like brainwave activity and, and entrain your brainwave frequencies and, and, and kind of like, um, yeah, I guess influencing them and, and bringing you into, into deeper states of relaxation by doing it like that. And, um, that's kind of how I started with it. So I was using, um, like guided audio, like not really guided meditations per se, where people are like, Oh, you know, pretend you're on a beach or like things like that. It's more so just, uh, you know, uh, like extreme focus and, and really just, um, you know, I used to stare at like a candle flame before mm. bed and then just, and then witness like where that, uh, that flame, you know, when you look, look at the sun for, for, for too long and then you can kind of see it yeah. as you close your <laughs> eyes. So there was a, a meditation that I found online that, uh, the, the intention was to look at a candle flame and then using that that focal point of light, like when you close your eyes, like that's what you focus on, mm -hmm. you know? And then in addition to the, um, to the binaural beats, I had just some like insane out of body experiences, like right off the bat, I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing here, but this is, this is pretty intense. And, mm -hmm. um, that's kind of, that kind of more like evolved into, um, you know, learning different types of breathing practices. And, and that's really, I think, that's where people's like for anybody who wants to get into meditation, like I think a lot of the focus should go towards the breathing. And then after you've done uh, uh, like a certain amount of breathing and kind of, um, you know, push yourself into these experiences where it's, it can kind of get uncomfortable. Um, then after that, like you will end up in a meditation, like a place for meditation. Um, and I've done, um, I don't know if anybody's heard of, of uh, pranayama or alternate nostril breathing or right. things like that. Um, so there's a, a sequence of, of breathing practices that I learned while I was in India. Uh, I went to travel down there and I, I was dating somebody who brought me to this ashram. And like, um, you Ooh. know, it was, it was wow. super cool. Like I, I learned a lot of my, the techniques that I do now for the, like the one time I went down there and like, I've been doing them for five years and it wasn't until, um, you know, even when I was learning them, I was like, I don't even know what this stuff, what's it good for? Like, I'm not really mm -hmm. that interested in it. I only came for this, like with this person. Cause she was, she was the one that was interested and I kind of tagged along and right. it was story, right? Yeah. yeah. And like, it wasn't until I, uh, I, you know, we parted ways where I'm like, Oh, right. I remember those practices. Maybe mm -hmm. I should give them, a sh give them a shot. Um, and it was like, Basically, um, I can't explain to you what happened to me this one summer after like waking up and then doing these breathing techniques every single morning hmm. for like weeks and, and turn into months. But like it was really just like these like the small window of a few weeks um, where uh, like not only was I having like um was my body becoming relaxed, but I was start, I started to get these like really blissful experiences kind of like just, yeah, coming out of what felt like 
nowhere really. It was just, um, it just felt like weeks of, of just like insanely high vibing, joyful, mm. uh, uh, like joyful experiences. And, um, I've continued with these breathing practices for, for the last three years and, and they're still part of my everyday practice in the morning. So like when I wake up, um, on a good day, I'll go to the park, I'll find a, I'll find a comfortable spot. Mm. Um, I, I live in, um, in the West end. So Dufferin Grove is like my go-to in the morning. Uh, and the summertime is beautiful. Cause it's like, like, I'm not the only person that shows up. There's like maybe sometimes five or six people and we're all kind of like in different areas wow. of the park, mm-hmm. but we're all doing, I've seen people, other people doing alternate nostril breathing too. And it's like being in nature first thing in the morning, watching the sunrise, um, doing the sequence of, of these specific techniques, um, and taking yourself through an experience where like, uh, you know, some of the, the breathing techniques are a little bit more intense than others. And I've done, uh, workshops where, you know, we'd spend, um, three hours every morning for 10 days, uh, doing, uh, Nadi Shodana, which is the alternate nostril breathing from four thirty to seven thirty every mm-hmm. morning. Um, and if you've ever tried breathing through a straw, like it's, it's such a, you know, it's, it's excruciating. Like it was, uh, it was, I remember the first time I did it, um, it was before COVID. So it was in a, it was, uh, with a group of people and one girl's nose started bleeding. Mm. Like it was super intense for her, you know, she had to obviously stop. But like, I remember, um, it feels like you're, you're suffocating and, and you, you can't breathe, but you're kind of pushing Mm. through that. And, um, that's, yeah, it was, it was an intense experience, but after doing that for 10 days, it kind of, I, I finally realized, um, after like, I think it was like the, the second last day, like what we're going for, what we're trying to achieve by doing these breathing practices and, and meditation. And it's, it's actually way simpler than many people uh, think, you know, they, like, I think a lot of people think that meditation is something that, um, you know, you need to take a step back from your thoughts and, and you need to clear your mind. And it's, and, and like, I don't know, that, that was a learning lesson for me where uh, every time I thought of something, I was like, oh no, I'm, I'm doing it wrong. There's a thought. I, I'm trying to clear my mind, right? But it's really just allowing your thoughts to come up and, and not becoming attached to them and, and allowing one to flow into the next and just kind of seeing where it takes you. Because like the, the more you allow that to happen, the less attached you become to them and the more focused you become on your body and your breathing. And then your your thoughts are actually just, they're kind of like, operating up here you're not even paying attention to them anymore you're, you're just paying attention to like what you're feeling and what your body's telling you and and it's in those moments where i've had just like some beautiful experiences you know mm-hmm. that's super interesting yeah can you compare your life having integrated like on and off your meditation practices breathing practices versus a time in your life when you weren't doing that and what are the kind of overall kind of benefits you might feel from having integrated meditation into your life? Um, that's a, that's a really, yeah, really great question. Um, because, oh man, it's, it's, uh, I think one of the, the benefits of, of having, you know, people 
keep saying like meditation and, and breathing and things like that and yoga, it's like, it's going to change your life, right? No matter how you look at it, but it's really because you're, re- you're replacing these, these habits, these things that like don't serve you with the actual practices and techniques and, and all of that. So, um, you know, looking back to, to where I was at before I even ventured down this, this path of meditation and mindfulness, um, I'll still get flashbacks of experiences that, that I've had, um, that weren't really, that were kind of, you know, darker parts of myself that like, I was really, um, yeah, like not, not really so proud of, um, uh, but that was still something that I had to, that I'm still facing now. Like, it's not like I can just walk away from, from these darker aspects of, of who I am. They're always kind of there and they're always actually like, you're, you're kind of trying to harness both at the same time. So like the more you, you want to get into a high vibing, blissful state, it's really, you don't really like, you want to go there cause it feels really good, but you also just want to stay planted and, and not venture too far in that direction. Cause Cause it's going to bounce back into the opposite experience and it, it always does. There's always like cycles of depression and, and then, you know, moving into higher vibrational states. And, um, like now I'm kind of at a point where I just, you know, the, the, the harder, um, experiences, the ones where I'm like, Oh, I, I'm like, I'm kind of going through one, like kind of right now where I, I was, you know, in the Cayman Islands for six months and I was like, I was detached from my reality. I was like in, in an environment with people and, and like, you know, I just felt homesick all of a sudden mm-hmm. and I, and I didn't really, it was like super, I kept my practice going for like the first five months and then mm-hmm. it kind of all just started to, to fall apart at the end where I was like, I think it was the overnights on that last movie though, too. Cause, cause it's hard to keep a, um, a good consistent um, schedule going when you're kind of at the mercy of these crazy hours and stuff. So my, my practice kind of fell apart. I got back home. I didn't really, I still go to the park every morning, but like, I'm not sitting there for 45 minutes mm-hmm. and like really relishing, like just, you know, being alive, like, like the excitement and exuberance and like the tears that come out when you're just, when you're in a really strong place, it's kind of like, I'm going there. Cause I don't want to let soon as I stop it completely, then, you know, to, to get back into it is even harder. Mm-hmm. So you kind of want to just, you, you want to keep it there. Um, but I go there for five minutes and I'm like, okay, cool. This mm-hmm. is great. It's not nowhere near what I have experienced, but I, at least I'm still, you know, um, you know, doing it, um, to kind of, I'm owing it to myself to keep it, to keep it going and, and it'll come back around. It's just, you, you kind of just got to ride with it and allow it to kind of expand and build upon itself um, in a way that's that's like uh, truthful and genuine to yourself. You don't ever want to force anything. Um, so it's just, you know, I'm, now I'm at a place where um, I'm kind of, I do these, uh, like these group workshops and things like that. Like friends of mine run these, these programs throughout the year. And, and one of them, um, uh, my friend, Jesse Stewart, he runs this, um, this program called spiritual bootcamp. And that's just like, it's like kind of like a book club where we, we, uh, you know, get together, there's like 10 people in the class and we just go through these like really cool metaphysical books and we mm-hmm. do some of the practices. And, and if I didn't have that right now, um, I'd be way more, like I'd, I'd feel a little bit more lost because he's the one that's like, 
he's showing up, he's holding it down. He's really like, um, to keeping these connections and this, and, and, um, I guess the, like a community, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. a, yeah, it's yeah. a little community. So, and, and now I go there every Wednesday, we, we start off playing music and then we get into a meditation and then we, we start going into, uh, some of the concepts of these books and, and doing all these practices and stuff like that. And, um, and to see it's my fourth year doing it. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just really, uh, there's always new faces that come up. There's always new people, like same material a lot of the time, like the, the books tend to change a little bit, but it's the new people and the new faces and the new mm-hmm. experiences and the, and the dynamics and the unique relationships that are formed with these people. Well, I guess you just, you're always in a different place slightly as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And like, you know, they've, we've all kind of, there's maybe two or three people that were in the original class four years ago, um, that witnessed like me coming out of like this super intense breakup where I was just like, I was, I was broken. It was really hard for me to even communicate and, and like, um, yeah, be friendly and accept love from people. It was very closed off. And, um, that program really just helped me kind of break through all that and then find a sense of community and, and, and create new bonds and experiences with the people. So that's, that's a super important thing I think is to just like, for anybody who's uh who's kind of not really knowing where to where to look it's just meet people meet like you know make friends like go out there and and uh like as as much as covid and all these protocols and things like that will allow right now but but it's really about um yeah just meeting people who you kind of aspire to uh and and just want to learn from and that's that's how it all started for me and for me it was more um you know I had all this all these great tools and, and, um, pieces of equipment that I just offered up a lot of the times, like for free, just to kind of, uh, distract myself and bring myself into these new experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I met a few friends of mine, uh, Darren Austin Hall, who's like this, um, he's like a musician. Sound. Is that like he's, the NASA? What is it? NASA? Adventures in Sound recording or something? Maybe not. Oh, Never mind. I'm curious to hear about that. Um, but, you know, he's just a uh, musician. He plays the crystal bowls and, like, creates these epic sound baths. Right. Um, okay. Yeah, I feel like I've seen his name in, like, social media events or something like that related yeah. to, like, a spiritual thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, he's he's been a really good friend of mine, you know, and that's kind of what ended up happening was was uh, I ventured into these um, these communities and met people and started offering my, my services to people just to kind of, like, especially guided meditation i found everything i was listening to is just like it just didn't sound very good it's just people doing it on their phones and just mm-hmm. being it super distracting when you're listening to it so um i made a great uh you know new group of friends who just like not only did they um did i was i was i cultivating and and like redirecting my entire life into like a more joyous kind of state of being but i was also yeah like leaving an old life behind um and then just really just seeing what happens it was just kind of kind of like throwing things out there and then just mm-hmm. not really having any expectations but but by doing that by like by bringing like the tools and knowledge i had um in in the realm of of audio and then just using that as a as like um as a way to integrate and, and bring myself into these new experiences. It like, it, it completely changed my whole life and I am just, I'm super grateful. 
Mm-hmm. So. I think that's really good advice for life in general, honestly, to like to anyone who wants to get into an industry. And, and you've mentioned before, a lot of our emerging industries don't have job titles, quotation marks, where this, the role that you can fill is often very dynamic. And as much as you might be a sound recording, you might be a bit of a therapist that day too to get people's attitudes to a certain yeah. place where they yeah. can communicate. Cause you're not going to get a good dialogue take if people can't even get in the headspace. That's right. Um, but I think, yeah, like that has been largely my experience with my meager amount of, you know, success that I've experienced was just being willing to accept a new experience that I wasn't in control of anymore for a moment. Like, especially it was very intimidating for even for Mark to be like, yeah, it's come out, come out to set. It was just like, what like because i i i knew what i was doing in the studio but yeah that's not the same thing like yeah at all uh because you're you are you're no longer the one who is guiding the talent the talent's guiding you yeah a lot of the ways and that's a huge role reversal Mm -hmm. and to have the humility to give up that level of control Mm -hmm. to know that you're a facilitator you are not the director right. in a literal and a metaphorical right. sense. You're you're not the one in the controls, but you're there as part of one gear of many that is sort of all trying to spin towards the same thing, mm-hmm. but you can't be the one that's stuck yep. because everyone else is relying on you to do that. Yeah. And I think in much the same way with life of stand your ground and don't just get walked over yeah. for the sake of getting a yes out of someone or to make them like you. But there's a lot of really nice, talented, smart people out there. And if you close yourself off to the idea of learning from other people mm-hmm. and from having unique experiences and just not shutting yourself off to what the what if of life, because you really can only try new things so many times before mm-hmm. you might get too fixed into a rhythm. Like you have kids, you might feel like you right. can't. And that's not even, that's a bit of a fallacy. You can yeah. still like live interesting parts of your mm-hmm. life despite having commitments. Um, a lot of people say that commitments and being burdened with that is actually the reason you get ahead mm-hmm. is by having responsibility and by feeling like you have mm-hmm. to provide for like people or a thing or both or be responsible to a community that you're a part Mm. of and be a fixture of that like being willing to take on that responsibility of someone else depending on you too but that part doesn't even happen until you are just open like i'm here i can be available for an experience Mm -hmm. this is a little scary Mm -hmm. i'm not sure exactly what this is but i am just gonna have the humility to say you know what i will not feel like I'm knowing what I'm doing almost the whole time. But by the end of that difficult experience, I will be so much better off Mm. and I will have met so many amazing people. And I hopefully can through my little sliver of life, maybe enlighten someone else's thing or help them or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really good way to look at it of just being available for a new experience because you never know. And and that's exactly, it's a really great um, uh, way to put it. Like it was really just uh, yeah, you know, setting yourself up for uh, for things that you just you can't even fathom, uh, may, you, like could possibly even happen to you, you know, and and like just being open to receive, and just allowing life to kind of just uh, you know uh, offer like the 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 fruits of of like what it can actually be, but creating creating a uh, a platform. And, and like a receptacle for that. And like, for me, it was, it was actually rebranding my business. Um, you know, yeah, in 2013, I'm, I, uh, 
I rebranded, my recording studio used to be called Erosion Studios. Mm. I don't really know where that came from, but it was, I thought it sounded really cool. And, uh, you know, getting into uh, binaural beats and like, you know, uh, solfeggio frequencies and like all these like really cool um, meditation tools. Like there's this one frequency called, uh, well, it's 528, which is a, it's a vibration. It's a tone. Um, there's a lot of, you know, you can read up on it, but there's a lot of, um, um, you know, theories around like what it means or where it came from, but really it's just, it's, uh, it's known as being a loving vibration. Um, so I named my company that, and it's, it's, that's why it's 528 recordings because I, I, I work in sound, I work with vibration, um, and I wanted to create an experience for myself to kind of take me through these, Mm -hmm. these joyous experiences and, and like network and just kind of see where it all went. And it like, it totally worked. It totally brought me from where I was into, into like these really like high vibing, beautiful states. And it was all because of this, like, you know, creating that platform and, and like calling it something and like, like I'm starting this company for this reason. Uh, and I'm going to theme it around love and, and, and like intention yeah. and connection and like, and, and that's kind of what this space is known for. Like my, my friend, Jeremy, like, you know, he comes to record here. Jeremy Legault is a really great, Shout out Jeremy. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, super great um, musician. And I love it when he refers to the space. He's like, it's not just a recording studio. Like it's, it's like a, it's a place for people to come and, and connect and, and, you know, express and kind of, that's why I started the, the podcasting arm of it is so that like we can have conversations like yeah. this and we can have, and we can capture it really well as well. You know, Beautiful. and there's yeah. something to be said about setting your mission statement like that. Yeah. Or I almost think of calling it five to eight is your mission statement, mm-hmm. which is to say that above all else, yeah. it's going to be a place that you feel welcome and fulfilled mm-hmm. and a place where you're not being looked at in a really judgy way where you're coming here to be creative and yep. you can be inspired and you don't feel like the pressure's on, you know, like mm-hmm. you, you can be here to enjoy yourself and be with people that you really like. And yeah. I think that, that that's super important in any studio setting, be it on film or for audio or whatever, to feel like the people that are there are there with your best intentions in the forefront. Mm-hmm. That's really hard to find mm-hmm. in any professional industries, like people that just genuinely want to look out for your best interests, yeah. like a number one priority above mm-hmm. all else. Like you just have to feel fulfilled. And I think that's a really laudable thing to mm-hmm. like set yourself towards. Yeah. And, and, I mean, just by doing that, um, like I, I had no idea what was going to happen, you know, it was really just, uh, you, 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 you set that intention and then you kind of, you watch how life naturally unravels mm. and every time something big happens or, or like something just, uh, you can't, it's like, you can only explain it as being like just magical even where mm. like, I'm like, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe that I met that person or I can't believe that this connection ended up leading to this one and yeah. to that one. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, you're just in a completely new uh, place in your life. Um, and you're, you're constantly like, the thing is you just don't stop doing it. So you just, you keep moving in that direction and you keep um, just, you know, flowing with what feels good. Um, eventually like, you know, the things that you're trying to let go of, like, well, they'll just kind of fade away and you'll just be like, life will just kind of be on this, on this, you'll be riding this, um, this roller coaster. the kind of like you're, you're living your life on the edge. And, um, there's many ways that people do that. 
you know, I'm doing it with the recording studio. I'm doing it through my, my workout in the field, uh, where like every experience I have, every, every beautiful experience, every negative experience, like is just, is just proving to me that like, you know, creating that, um, fostering that idea and creating that intention around wanting to have these experiences for better or for worse. Like it's, it was the, one of the most, the, the, the best things I could have ever done for myself when it was really to, to like get out of these, these negative experiences yeah. that I couldn't seem to really snap out of. And like, you know, it hasn't been perfect. It hasn't been like, like 10 years later, it's not like I completely said, goodbye to that entirely because it's always going to exist you know there's always going to be those those polarities that you're going to have to navigate um and you kind of just embrace embrace both sides of it and know that it's never going to truly go away you just kind of you can just kind of um uh you know just just ride with it and just allowing allowing it to sway back and forth and like whatever happens happens but but like existing in the center of it and and just following that that same um that that intuition yeah you know Mm -hmm. and trying to yeah yeah I mean I think (laughs) you you said so many interesting things um I'm really inspired especially by I guess the encouragement to uh like meet new people in more of the direction that you're hoping to be um in the sense of like I guess like positivity and that sort of thing because um I've found that it's been a little bit of a lonely path for me this year and that I've noticed that in the past, whereas I thought I was so open and friendly and, uh, you know, connecting with a lot of people and, and giving them a lot of my time that in the end, and while there's no regrets or anything, in the end, I it it definitely harmed me in a lot of ways and um i should have been a little bit more focused on myself and what i needed and and being grounded in that way and um having to let go of older friendships or friendships that i realized were not even based on positive things but based on you know substance abuse or partying or um things that weren't helping either of us and then thinking that I was doing the right thing by wanting to stick around for that person. But then, um, it turned out that, you know, that's not necessarily the case in in it all the time. So, um, for me this year in particular, um, so I think most of my audience knows at this point, I've been like sober and fully clean since January and what that's... Big up to you for doing that. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I I think what, what's that, a lot of the experience up until recently has been, me really wanting to lay low because I was almost afraid of like social interaction where like I feel more safe and strong like at home and you know it came at a point where I'm like oh you know I think I actually perhaps need to make new friends or meet new people or or, you know yes I can be super focused and like hardworking and like work on a bunch of things at home and personal development and meditation and working out but like social interaction and activity is so much part Mm. of our lives and um i am missing a little bit of that and it's at a point where it's like how do i meet new friends or like be like embraced into like a new community so um that's really encouraging Mm -hmm. i think too 
your thoughts around like the momentum of like when you're in your practice and then if there's a day where something external comes up and you sort of let yourself let it go and not do it and then that turns into a week and that turns into a couple <laughs> of weeks. Certainly yep. we, we talked recently about momentum and that I find that like I can work both ways when like if you have really good momentum, it's like you just want to keep it going, which is awesome. Um, but then going the reverse, it's so much harder to get yeah. back on track. So for me, a lot of that is around like food and exercise. Yeah. Like if as soon as I let go for like one day, it's so hard to come back the next day. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you wouldn't think like that's not even intuitive. I would think like, oh, if I've had a cheat day, then the next day it's like, okay, for sure, like I'm good. But no, in fact, it's like the mind is like, well, that was like a really nice day. So you should just like <laughs> stick to that. So yeah. Um, yeah, the momentum with the practice is interesting because um so meditation specifically is something that I was very focused on maybe like 10 years ago when I first sort of discovered it. And a lot of it, the time it was coupled with substance abuse. Yeah. Um, and then it's kind of counter, right? right? It's like the whole thing. Yeah. Let it go for many, many years. And only in the last couple of years started to try to get back into it, but had a hard time kind of making it a regular habit. Yeah. So it was at a point where it was like, maybe I'll meditate once every like few weeks or so. Um, this time around, it's been with guided meditations through like an app. So it's like nicely recorded and it's nice. And they have different themes that I can pick. And I found that that's been helpful. Whereas in the past, I'd only ever done silent stuff, never done yeah. breathing practices too, oh, cool. which I was really interested mm -hmm. to hear because I'd certainly um, be curious to check that out further um but yeah with the meditation practices I've only at this point in time um I'm at a point where I've for the first time ever like meditated like every single day for just about two months for the first time ever and I definitely feel like because it's becoming a little bit more of like a daily habit on the days where I haven't meditated yet or it's like later in the day I do start to feel kind of if you've been around me or for this like too I've start to feel like I feel kind of weird. Like I feel like I, I just need to do it. And mm -hmm. that's a good place to be. Cause I know that it's, it's helping. Um, and, and, and here's where I'm also challenged to of like, I'd like to be able to express how it's helping. Mm -hmm. Um, because in my mom's words, like, you know, the, you're kind of forgetting about your problems and you're not being responsible because you're just, you know, I guess shutting off for a second. Whereas I find that, it helps me be able to tackle problems better because right. I'm clear, I'm more grounded, mm -hmm. I feel stronger, uh, I do feel more calm. So it's not even almost like, I guess, yes, like in some cases, like meditation is for relaxation. But for me, I just feel like it is very grounding. Um, yes, you'll still have like thoughts going, but slowly I'm able to more... I'll have moments of like, oh, I just realized I was thinking. And like, that's that's part of the whole crux of the thing where like, it's not like you're never going to have thoughts, but it does help you identify when you're kind of like spiraling. Yep. And I find that nowadays, uh, more often just during my waking life where I'm like, you know, for example, walking outside, I'll start to catch myself spiraling into like something critical that somebody said to me and I'm suddenly <sighs> spiraling about it. But then I'll have the other voice come in and say, okay, thank you. Like you're thinking, yeah. and then it like yeah. seems to cut off the spiraling earlier. So just like things like that. Y yeah. And I find that, um, you know, the more frequent that you meditate and the more it's, it's really consistency I find in, in like the more you do it on a daily or weekly basis, you can kind of, um, you know, your, your meditations start to string together and then you can kind of, 
uh, you can you can witness the evolution of like what it is that you're working through start to diminish over time and transform into something different. Um, and you can do that like if I were to just you know take five minutes and and go meditate and and calm my mind like I did before starting this. Um, it's it's different compared to wor- like actively working utilizing it to like work through something. And I, I find that, um, you know, doing meditation consistently is just, is this really revealing to you what it is, like what your cycles and what your, your mental patterns are and, mm. and how, how preoccupied we are with things that have happened in the past or things that are, oh, big are coming in yeah. the future. Um, and, and really if you can create a space for yourself to just exist and, and not, it's not about, um, I mean, at least for me, it's not about trying to detach or anything like that. It's, it's just truly giving yourself a moment to just like, to just be like, to just like actually like witness yourself in this, in this body, like realizing you're not your mind, you're not your body, you're not who you are. Like we're just, we're just pure, you know, mm-hmm. cosmic consciousness. We're just like beings that, that have, uh, we're, we're really trying our best to like navigate these, these, uh, yeah, these trials and tribulations and, and all these things that life throws at us. But, but if you can, if you, if you can create that space to just, to just exist as, as just pure awareness, whatever that means, you know, there's so many different ways you can look at it. Um, and like what it means for me would mean something completely different from someone else. And, and like my experiences would be different than someone else's experiences. But, um, I mean, if, if, uh, if people are having, a hard time trying to find out what that what that is for them. It's it's uh if if people haven't looked into um, yeah pranayama, which is like what I've been using um, as a series of breathing practices to just get me set up for meditation. Like I'll 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 do pranayama for like thirty minutes every mm-hmm. morning, and then once I've done my set, then I will attempt meditation. It's it's like meditation comes after you've like you've really calmed your body and primed mm. it for, um, to just being in a space where you can, you can just be, you know? And yeah, like, like I said, um, thoughts and things like that are always going to be there. Um, but the, the, the deeper you get into your practice, the, uh, the more, um, the more rewarding it is like anything else, but, but there's like an extra for, for anybody who hasn't tried it yet or hasn't really done it. Um, for months on end or, or, you know, don't really know what it is that, that can, what these, what people are talking about. Like when they say that you can have these out of body experiences or you can have these really beautiful, blissful states. Um, I think a lot of people may be discouraged when they, when they attempt to do it. And then after like a week or like, oh, that didn't really work for me. You know, I'm going to stop here. But it's, it's really like just continuously breaking through that. And, and like, just there, I promise there's something beautiful waiting for people on, on the other end of things, if they just continued with it. Um, and I'm at, like, again, I've been doing it for years. I'm at a place right now where I'm like, why am I even doing this again? You know, like I'm, I'm a little bit discouraged because I've, I've, I've like slowed down to a point where it feels like I'm, I'm starting at ground Mm -hmm. zero again. And it's like, it's really a lot of it comes down to how you treat your body and, and like, if you don't, mm-hmm. 
if you don't exercise, if you don't stretch, if you're, if you're like constantly eat, uh, drinking coffee and, and eating sugars and, you know, eat, mm-hmm. eat foods that aren't really good for you, um, all of that starts to build up and contribute um, to you feeling like you're kind of in these places where you're like mentally or, or physically fatigued and kind mm-hmm. of like drained or just like your mind is a little bit mucky and you're not really feeling connected. Um, as soon as you start to like, it, it all kind of goes tenfold where it's like, it's, yeah, it's what you eat. It's, it's how you breathe. It's like how you interact with people. It's, it's, uh, it's like every little thing starts to add up. Um, and that, um, will influence like how, uh, like what your practice is and, and what your experience is. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's all kind of like has to be all like finely tuned. And eventually if you, if you keep dialing it in and you, you kind of keep, um, you know, dealing with all these things separately, it'll, it's all gonna, you're going to witness it click at some point and you're like, Oh, right. This is, this is exactly what I've been working towards and what I've been waiting for. And it might not happen for years for some people may not have that breakthrough. Um, and like I've had maybe two or three in my life. Like the first one was, was like in 2014 where I, I didn't really know what meditation was. I didn't know what spirituality was. I didn't know any of it. I was just kind of throwing myself in there and, and trying to have these uh, these experiences I kept reading about. Um, and then sure enough, it was like like one summer. I don't know, just something something happened. Something like started to arise from within me and it started to just change how I talked to people, how I interacted. Like everything about me started to change and, and like that, that was great for a little while. And then sure enough, I, I started to get uh, stuck in these old patterns again. And then I, I met a, a, a partner at the time in like, yeah, 2014. And, and she was quite like, you know, compared to me at the time, she was way more advanced, so to speak. Like she had already spent months living in, in ashrams and like really like honing in and harnessing uh, like her diet. And, and like, she was, man, like just looking back on it now, like, like that relationship just was such a 180 in my life and like what that provided for me at the time, like exactly mm-hmm. what I was seeking. Like I got it all in such a short period of time and it was like super intense. It was so intense to the point that I, I was pushing it away because mm-hmm. I'm like, this is, this is way too much right. for me to have to grow into in such a short period of time. And, and when that relationship ended, um, I had a second experience for an entire summer that like had me, I was like looking back on the one that happened four years prior. I'm like, this can't ever happen like this again. Like that was such an intense, uh, blissful awakening. That's that's the only way I can, the only um, way I can really call it. Um, and it happened again. And it was like an even more powerful, explosive, ecstatic kind of like, um, just, you know, beautiful state of being that I, I, I realize what, what, what you're truly capable of experiencing if you just let go of, of what your expectations are and just like put your heart first and just see where it takes you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, you know, it, it starts to, to tame itself down a little bit. And, and now I'm like, when's, when's the next one going to come? But, mm-hmm. but if you get stuck in that, if you get stuck in, um, trying to chase these spiritual highs or, you know, a lot of people get, they treat breathing practices as that they get addicted to these, these like mm-hmm. sober spiritual like sensations mm-hmm. where they're like, 
you know, I've had like experiences uh, while meditating that, you know, are similar to microdosing mm. on LSD or mushrooms. Like it's just, you're kind of in these states and you're just, your, your body is buzzing. You're, you're, you're like seeing colors. You're, you know, you're going into all these really cool spaces where, you know, visions start to come and, and like, you know, all of like this really like this, this, um, heart's gone beyond actually this logo is a not for profit that I'm planning to start soon. And that came to me in a meditation, you know, it's just like, like, it's just truly, it's like the lens that you can, you can utilize to kind of look into your future and see what, what needs to be done in your life to make it better. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, um, I've also noticed that sometimes in having, be, being able to clear my mind a little bit is when I'll have sort of thoughts and ideas come for like next podcast guest or like yeah. do this video idea or something. And then I'll have the experience of like, okay, but I'm still meditating. So I'll just like try to remember that for later, <laughs> like whatever. Um, but it's, it's really interesting to hear your experiences because for me, it's been like a very uh, much smaller version of that in that, you know, I'll have meditations that are only 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Um, in the last few weeks, those have increased to 20. And that's already like, whoa, I'm meditating yeah, for yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, it's, it's pretty huge. So I, I do want to be, um, I guess, encouraging for, for folks of all capabilities where it's, you know, you can really just start from five minutes and, and already that can have an impact yeah. and as you said like it'll string together and um yeah for, for me as well like not having not really doing um specific breathing practices but just the whole because I I too I had this misconception I guess of meditation of that maybe you need to breathe in a certain way and then only then you'll get like a certain expected result and after doing some of the guided meditations and and kind of it showing you that it's not almost, it's not always the breathing itself, but rather because the breath is one of the only constants in life that um, by focusing on the breath or by following the breath or just try to think about nothing else other than the breath or for me sometimes even just like counting the breaths has helped that itself gives my mind something to focus on such that I'm not getting like lost in thoughts. And when I am mm -hmm. inevitably within 20 or 30 seconds, remembering like, okay, yeah, focus on the breath. And then you start again and you start yep. again. And even mm -hmm. just, just that alone has, has been really, um, life changing. And mm -hmm. so, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll continue to sort of, you know, be dedicated to that practice as well as expressing it because I do want to share more of that with the world. I yeah. like that meditation practices are becoming, from what I can tell, a little bit more common in culture, but just, you know, breaking through to people like my mom where, yeah. um, you know, super high power driven person, but I really feel like meditation can benefit them and hoping that just sprinkling these seedlings of within humanity of like, you know, there's a reason that this kind of thing has also been a practice for thousands of years that has helped people. So, mm -hmm. um, and, and like speaking from experience, um, you know, I've, I've spent a very long time also trying to like inspire people in my family to want to get into meditation. And this was like when I was first starting, starting out. Right. So I remember, um, my, yeah, my, my sibling, 
and and my mom would get annoyed with me after a while because they're like, you know, you're telling us to to try all these things, but really like you're not really, I don't know, you're not really doing it yourself mm-hmm. or like it, it took me a long time to to realize that, yeah, if I want to uh, inspire the people around me to want to get into to doing this and, and questioning like why I'm trying to tell them to do it in the first place is because I'm, I'm like maybe annoyed by how they're reacting to things and like yeah. you need to meditate kind yeah. of thing right um, like <laughs> mm-hmm. if I truly want them to to like take on these experiences and to just I mean even when I I tell people people about meditation and some of the experiences that I've had I'm only sharing it because of 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 like what it's truly done for me and and like what I know it can do for others if if they were open to it not because they they're doing something in their life that's like wrong or, or what have you right. yeah, like you're, not, not, you're not inviting them to join your cult or your religion it, it, like exactly you're, you're just kind of asking people to be like mindful yeah and like take take a moment or moments to reground yourself and like put yourself back into like a a more available state yeah. to like then be better for the people in your life and be better yeah. to yourself yeah yeah, exactly. So it, it's been cool to see uh, other like people's like transformations in my life. Um, as soon as I like stop trying to, I guess, yeah, push meditation onto other people and just kind of be like, wait, why am I even like, mm. let's focus on myself here. Right. Let's like, let's take everything I've just learned, everything I'm preaching even, and just like apply it to my own life yeah. before I'm trying to tell other people to yes. do it. As soon as I did that, um, it, it had this ripple effect mm. where like people around me just started to ask me more questions about it because mm. they saw me embodying it as opposed mm. to just talking about it all the time. And like that, like changed not only my life, but my, like my entire family, like wow. it had this ripple effect and it just, it keeps doing that. Like no matter, even people I work with, like I'm not, you know, when I'm on set, I'm just, I'm just being me. I'm just doing my thing, but it's still, like still has a natural effect yeah. to, to like ripple outwards and influence how people behave and, and like how people, you know, like how they act around you. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just like my favorite part about it too, to see um, how you being uh, the person that you are just being naturally yourself, not pretending to be anything you're not, but like being genuine and authentic and, and taking what you've learned through these meditative experiences and then applying it every single day for days on end, years on end, where that can lead you and like where that leads everybody else. It's mm-hmm. just beautiful to witness and experience. Like a beacon of grounding for other people. Cause mm-hmm. I think, and, and this has always been true ever since I met you, you've always been, I think the kind of calm voice in the room of like mm. not getting at least not letting other people think that the pressure is getting to you yeah. where you can just be, you know, calm, focused, you're on point and like, everything's cool. Even when it's not, <laughs> everything's cool, yeah. you know, cause we're, we're yeah. all here doing something. We're achieving something really great and something yeah. cool. And isn't, isn't it how, like, how amazing is it that we're all here, like focusing yeah. on this thing. And, yeah. uh, that's, that's something that I, I think also drew me to realize that you were someone I really wanted to have him around in my life of like mm. someone that didn't, didn't just go around for the recognition of stuff or like didn't want to just tell all these fantastical stories. Oh, I work with this, work with that. It's like, you know, someone can ask if they're interested, but like, I I think um, it speaks a lot of good about you that you can 
be so emotionally available for the people that you work with as well as people you live with and mm. know mm. Uh, where rather than telling them how they should live in the words, it's your actions will reflect, mm -hmm. you know, why it is a, that they want to hang around you and B maybe would at some point months or years down the mm -hmm. line, maybe prompt them to ask. Cause it's like, so what are you doing differently than <laughs> yeah. me? That you never seem to yeah. be in this all frazzled thing. And it's yeah. not that you're no, don't get frazzled. But the thing is, is that you're, you're trying to always reflect on that and figure out, it's yeah. just like, okay, well, why am I getting frazzled? Yeah. Like, well, what's the deal here? And sometimes it takes months to figure yourself yeah. out. Yeah. Like, I don't know why yeah. I'm, I'm getting all worked up about stuff. I mean, in cases where you're broken up, I mean, it's pretty clear why, but mm -hmm. other times it's like not even understandable where you yeah. ask yourself, why am I frustrated or why yeah. am I anxious right now? Cause like you look at all the stuff in your life and everything's so great and yada, yada, but yet still, where am I at? Yep. You know, and, and yep. I think it's great to lead by example, let the curious ask, right. but for anyone else, it's just like, be that beacon of positive, good, welcoming energy. And then yeah. I think the rest will kind of follow suit. Right? That's right. Yeah. And it, and it's just kind of cool to see how, uh, like what people's responses actually are. Cause some people like don't notice, I'm, I'm just, I'm just an average person. Like there's nothing that special about me at all. Um, but then for some people who are, are struggling in their life, like I'll stand out because I'm, I'm mm. very, um, like, I'll just be, yeah. Like you said, like just calm in, in most situations that, you know, someone else might be. And like my, my anxiety, like I'm, I've, I've actually had to work through a lot of anxiety. I still have it now. So like all of that, if I'm not careful, the things that I'm, I'm either like, if, you know, meditation helps me work through things, but I'm also, I got to be careful not to kind of like suppress or to be passive aggressive because then it builds up in a completely mm. different area of my life. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it comes out uh, in ways where like, yeah, I might not, I might not like um, act out in certain situations. Like I might not lash out if somebody uh, says something or does something that like bothers me, but like in a, in a tense situation, um, it'll come out in a, in a completely different way that still, um, yeah, like it impacts me in a way that like, I'm, I'm tr still trying to navigate and, and, and avoid. And, um, that's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's still cool to see, um, how that, you know, like you refining yourself as a person, how that can impact people just by, by them, you know, like having gone and worked for six months down in the Cayman Islands. Like some people are like, cool, nice to meet you, man. And then other, like a couple other people are like, so what is it that you like do? Cause mm -hmm. you're like, you're, you're just, your, um, your sense of being and, and just the way that you approach people and how you talk to people and, and like, um, you know, your overall sense of joy, really. I think that's what stands out for people who, who meditate and, and people who seek meditation or, or seek, um, to be more mindful in their life is like people who do practice meditation. It's not that they're positive or anything like that. It's that they're just, they're like truly exuberant. They're like, they're like living in states of, of like genuine, authentic joy, you know, like, and it's, you can't, like you can't fake that. That's something that, um, mm -hmm. that comes from the heart and like, you, you'll notice it when you see it in someone and, and those people are, um, uh, you know, they have, they have a lot of potential to, to impact 
others. So, yeah. yeah. And then like, in a, and that's, that's just it. Like the people you respect and the people that you like commiserate with mm-hmm. have really the most amount of influence in your life. And I think it's so powerful to surround yourself with other people, as you say, that have the character traits that you wish you emulated better. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wished I worked this hard. I wish that I could have the discipline for this. I wish I could show this amount of like, good positive like feedback or that I could be so like available like this person mm-hmm. is. And I think that's it. And that's, that's advice. I think I, I hear a lot across many different genres of advice is like just primarily number one, be around the people that you feel like are doing something really, really exceptional. Mm-hmm. And at that point you'll feel infinitesimally more like inspired to want to change yourself to get into that state of mind and you can mutually lift each other up because it's not like you know hanging around high achieving people means that you're like sapping their energy down or whatever because if you if you're coming from a genuine genuine place like you'll be helpful to them too in so many ways and it's really about lifting each other up Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in any healthy relationship of like, you're, you're not specifically coming to it saying, what can you do for me? What can I do for you? That type of thing, you're not writing it down. But yeah. I think in any situation where you have a mutual respect for each other, like really genuinely, as you say, like you're not just putting it on to like get something, yeah. but really, like really it's like, yes, I respect you, Marco, or you know, it's something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's at that point where you have unprompted back and forth. You know, where you, you feel like I don't even have to be asked the question of I want to do this or I want to help here or be available for this. You will just do that uh, because your respect and your 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 almost, I guess, like like that love for that person you would have is your primary focus. And you just realize in that moment of like, I need to be available for this or do this thing mm-hmm. to help this person because they're not almost like an extension of me in some mm-hmm. way of, you know, because I'm impacting their life, like how would I treat myself in that moment? Mm-hmm. And what I would want to do is do the right thing for, for anyone in, in my life, right? I will also say just for, you know, cause in my experience of like, yes, I want to be around more positive people or, you know, have better role models in my life. And, you know, how do you meet people? How do you make friends? And then especially in times of COVID, like that type of thing, I think one thing that's really helped me short of actually like meeting new, like physical humans um, has been just starting to listen to more positive stuff, I guess, through people online. So like the David Goggins, the Eckhart Tolle, like there are people that I'm never probably going to like meet or befriend, but by having more of them like in my ear, whether it's like listening to an interview or something he said on the podcast or one of their videos, I'm finding that that's providing a lot of this, like a similar, I guess, benefit of like, I just need to hear more of this because otherwise I find that if I'm not actively seeking that out, you'll probably more find that what you are coming across is, I guess, maybe, I guess, yeah, just like stuff that maybe it's more negative or news or, um, or even like feelings of jealousy of like, if, you know, if if you're looking on your social feed and like everybody's highlights and all the good stuff and like, that's not necessarily providing like positive benefit per se either. So yeah, short of actually like, I guess, meeting people as, as best you can, 
um, you know, at least making sure that you're kind of consuming that kind of content um, until you do meet a, another great friend like Marco. <laughs> exactly. And you should watch more lovely shows like yours. Well, I mean, yeah. thank you. I, yeah. Thank I, you. Thank you for bringing me on your show. Thank you so much for having us here. Um, that does feel like a, a nice, maybe little point to, mm-hmm. to wrap it up. This has been so, so lovely. I'm so grateful. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. It's, it's, I really appreciate you like being mm-hmm. willing to, to do this. It's like, it's a big step. It to, was a huge step. Yeah. A huge step for me, for my, for the space. Um, if you don't mind, if anybody wants to uh, follow my space, it's five, two air recordings on Instagram. Um, they can Go also follow out. me, Marco Frigirelli, on Instagram. That's my my location sound page. So it's M A R C O underscore F U R G I U E L E. And then um, if you want to follow my nonprofit, which I'm just still getting off the ground, it's still about a year or so away before I even launch it. But it's it's called Hearts Gone Beyond, um, and I have. Uh, a couple of stickers Yay! for you guys. Amazing. Ah, thank you. Yeah, here you go. We got to stick thank them in so conspicuous places. Awesome. So if you don't mind, you, you basically stick these up anywhere you go. Um, if it's a, like another city or just in Toronto and then just tag hearts going to be on, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Thank you so much. We'll definitely put all of your um, social links and, and links to everything in the description. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll definitely have that there. And can people order these? Yes. So if Amazing. you send me a message on, on my Hearts Gone Beyond Instagram, I'll send you a sticker for free. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I think Hearts. that's great. Yeah. Thank you. So it's spreading love. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the intention behind it. That's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, thanks again for having on, or, yeah. or rather for coming on uh, the show. You've been an amazing guest, amazing friend, mm-hmm. great human being. So I'm just really glad that like all three of us could like share really good like positive energy with each other. Yeah, this we is... did this. This was like a long time coming. Yeah. <laughs> many, many and reschedules. We've captured, and, uh, we've captured like, it, even if the, just for us for like 50 totally, years from now. Like, I know. A treasure. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm so, so glad. good. Thank you for having us in this space to be able to have this kind of conversation. I know the first time we met, we had a really great long conversation as well. Um, but now it's filmed. I and know. Uh, <laughs> I know. We've captured it. We can mm-hmm. refer to this conversation, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, what a what a way to have a tenth episode of the mm, podcast, big time, man. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll 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 do it again. I think at some There'll point be too. a follow up. Yeah, yeah. We, well, we I have mean, a great chemistry here. Well, now I feel like ah, I gotta do like every podcast episode. Here. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Hey. What happens? Oh, we'll see. Because this is an amazing space. It but, really uh, is. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I do want to next time, perhaps uh, we have an episode with you. I'd love to get more into the hearts gone beyond oh, stuff. Yes. That'll yeah, be, um, you know, yeah, let's do that next time for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll have more organized and ready to show for it at that point. Amazing. It's still it's coming Amazing. together, but I really look forward to that. Yeah. Amazing. Cool. Well, sending love to all of you listening and watching. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Tyr and Marco, for being here with me. Mm-hmm. Sending love. Hearts gone beyond. Marco. See you guys. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>